about anybody. <laughs> Dan, are you okay? That motherfucker. Oh, we're, we're live. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I like to do this little cold open stuff, you know, like give people a little tease as to what the mood is like for tonight's uh, Dan and Aldo show. I've got the itchiest asshole on record. <laughs> I'm bouncing around in my chair here. No, I'm kidding. I'm fine. I'm well. I'm good. <laughs> You do sound a little hoarse. What's going on there? I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's the change of season, that kind of shit. Again, it was really cold the other day. Then it's seasonably warm again, and it's just kicking my ass. My body's a pussy today. <laughs> I sound a little bit like the late, great Reggie White. Right now. <laughs> you do. <laughs> he always kind of sounded hoarse or something. Another uh, Christian fellow earlier, uh, a few minutes ago, you were talking about maybe converting to Christianity. <laughs> I was saying that. Are, are we live right now? Are we? On? All right, yeah. I want to. I want to give props to uh, the Gaines Report, Tyler. Man, every time I talk to Tyler Ellis, he makes me feel like the world's a better place. And I was looking forward to being on with him last night, just for whatever reason, man. Uh, just using why, uh, iPhone data just wasn't cutting it. So, unfortunately, I couldn't be a part of the broadcast. Obviously, I love the other Danny. And uh, or the other Dan and I've never met Mr. Shimon. Hopefully, we'll get that resolved in November. So that's right. He's going to be there with uh, his sister and his daughter at the uh, big event, which we'll talk a little bit more about in uh, a couple of minutes. Let's roll our open and start the show. Okay, Victory yeah. Tuesday. Yes, sir. <laughs> Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Yeah. 
Maguire, how are you, my friend? You, you got to be fired up about last night, right? You have to be. I am. You have to be. And I've heard no post-game coverage other than what I was trying to do with you all last night. So I didn't get to hear the pressers or uh, or what what happened today. I've heard no reactions, zero. So other than what we're about to have right now from anybody else, other than maybe a brief text with the other Dan or or something to that effect, but n- nothing on anyone else's reactions or press or anything. But let me start out and say to you, one negative, one positive. One negative, two AFC wins. Two AFC wins. That hurts. We still need more A in conference and B uh, divisional wins because we're in it, man. You've seen Green Bay lose three in a row. More than likely, they'll lose in Buffalo. We could slide right in there if you could beat Dallas, which is plausible. So, mm-hmm. like I'm telling you, I've said it all year. We're in it. We should be in it. Like I, the parody of the league makes us in it. And if we can just get hot, man, and who knows? But that's a negative. The positive. I'm always critical of like how the defense just has these siestas and just lays down and disappoints us when the Bears will score. They give up an immediate touchdown. Last night, they looked like the 1991 Ditka Bears defense. Not 85. Let's not go crazy. But every hit that they had had some force. And it felt like they physically not only dominated, but sort of bullied the Patriots. I mean, they just looked for, except for two long pass plays, the Patriots looked like they were playing or fighting someone in a higher weight class. Mm-hmm. It was kind of amazing to me, the defense that, you know, all season long, they've had teams run over them or fake them out with bootlegs and shit. And you're like, why can't they make a, an adjustment? Why can't they stop the run game? They did everything last night. They fucking did everything. That's the defense. Like I've been begging for, please keep it up. That made my dick hard. period. I was going to ask if your dick was hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not right now at this moment, but uh, God. <laughs> but but I'm saying, man, the defense looked fucking great, and that's not even touching Justin Fields. That's not even talking about you know the things that we were doing well on offense, but the defense. If they could play that defense, there's no questioning that we can get back in this thing. And that's not like, oh, well, you lose one week and – you win this week and you get too high or too low. That That's reality. If you can play that defense, there's no way you can't tell me that they're not at least in contention for a wild card. You know, I was going to uh, commend Mike North because on Sunday's Mike North's early Bears special, he said, take the Bears. I think they're going to win the money line. But if you don't trust me, at least take the eight and a half points and win yourself some money. And he was right on both counts. If you bet on the Bears and the points, you won. And if you bet on the Bears and the money line like he did, you won big. So I was going to commend them on that. But really, most of all, I want to commend you because you have been hopeful of the Bears making the playoffs since Nagy was fired. (laughs) As soon as they said that guy was gone, the bald fuck was gone, I was like, okay, that's what's been holding us back. He's been a malignant tumor on our scrotums. It's like, whatever they they did, it's like if you couldn't have kids and you're like, oh man, sir, your your fucking swimmers just aren't good enough. And they did something like removed a mole or something. And now they're like, hey, your fucking comb is great. That's the way it feels without Nagy. You can make 12 kids. Go fuck. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wish that were a beer. That's a Coke. I was gonna say, it sounds like you're opening up a beer, but you don't drink. <laughs> I, I'm, I may, I may drink when I get back in Illinois, but we'll see. Yes, when we when we have our shending uh, Saturday, November fifth, you got to have a drink with all the fellows that are going to be there. And by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, on Saturday, November fifth, we're going to be over at King's Entertainment in Rosemont. Uh, the first two hours are going to be barroom people only. Uh, as we uh, celebrate our successes, and, uh, and I, I offer a big thank you for everyone who's worked on the bar room. And then uh, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., we're going to stick around. Many of us will stick around uh, to greet any of the bar flies that want to come in and uh, and buy us a beer. <laughs> so <laughs> buy them a beer. So uh, who wants uh, to take a picture with me just the way Manson did? <laughs> <laughs> who wants to grab my balls no. any any takers <laughs> look, look how quick Gooch was on that and I mean that literally any takers <laughs> uh, we'll get Jenny to do it but you see how fucking quick uh, Tooch was on that that's tremendous that was actually me I think I beat Tooch oh it. you did it I thought well whoever did that that was great because that, that that's completely on the fly <laughs> fly <laughs> <laughs> pun intended uh, I got to tell you, it's weird. I felt so happy about the victory yesterday. And today I'm a little bit more subdued because I start questioning things. You know, I start wondering, well, was this kind of a fluky thing because, you know, Belichick is on the down part of his career because the Patriots really aren't as good as people thought they were because the Patriots really fucked up that whole quarterback thing. Can I, can I interrupt you already? Oh, please. please. Please, please, please let me answer that. The reason why I don't think it is, and there's a couple things. They had already started the broadcast. If you go back and if you don't, if you didn't catch this, early mm -hmm. on, uh, Fields threw an incomplete pass, one of those like horizontal uh, little flank, a little bubble screens to to Mooney that just went awry, and they immediately showed a stat they had repped, they had prepared. Uh, Justin Fields uh, inaccurate on 46 of his 46 percent of his passes this year, more so than anybody else in the league or whatever, which makes no sense. They're not talking about completion percentage, but they're saying his passes go awry. Mm -hmm. So they were ready to jump on Justin Fields as soon as the broadcast started. They had it prepared and ready to go. So the narrative was Chicago sucks. J uh, Jack, Jack Buck, J uh, Joe Buck, and Aikman both kept saying things like. Well, sometimes you go to a game and you think something's going to happen and the opposite happens. Ha, 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 Joe, let me suck your dick. You know, so they were all ready to tell us, man, the Bears suck. The point spreads eight and a half points. Man, the Bears suck. They just fucking suck, don't they? And then and then what else happens throughout the, the course of the game? Oh, they've benched Mac Jones and they brought in the Phenom. Oh, everyone's new favorite, Zappy. Zappy, the whatever his name, Bailey Zappy, and immediately he comes in, momentum switches, and th two touchdowns. So the Bears overcame a narrative, they overcame rain, they overcame uh, a road crowd, a team that's they've only beaten once since 1985, and they overcome a momentum shift and this new guy that the league was ready to jump on and say he's the new Brady. Uh, Mac Jones is Bledsoe. So the, all these things were there that they, they wanted to tell you that this was the new kid in New England and that the Bears suck, and we overcame all of that. So I'm telling you, last night's win, Aldo, God damn it, it mattered. It fucking mattered. It was brilliant. I was going to applaud what you said, but 
Jenny's <laughs> comment in the chat room saying that you definitely have balls of steel. I was telling her last week, I think my balls are like too big. I start to think they're like, they're like elephant nuts or something. I'm afraid one day I'm going to go to shit and one of them's going to be in the water. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I went to the doctor because my penis was like swollen to almost twice his size. And so when I told him that. That's never a bad said, thing. <laughs> Just, so what are you complaining about? Thought <laughs> you maybe ought to take a look at it. It's gone from one inch to two inches. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I I totally get man. What you said was so perfect, absolutely so perfect. And they also overcame the whole. I don't know why I took that comment off the screen, uh, too. So I apologize. Uh, I, I thought you meant Jenny's that. comment. I was like, leave her beautiful face up all night. That's right. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but uh, what I want to say is that Belichick, you, they overcame what he has done to rookie coaches and to rookie and to young quarterbacks. I mean, the numbers are are just fucking wild, you know, like 24 and three against rookie and second year quarterbacks, 72 and one against rookie head coaches. I'm, I'm making those numbers up, but that's basically it's not that off though. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it may be an exaggeration, but it, the point is conveyed that it, the number is astounding. Exactly. And so that, that is huge to overcome. I, and I, I want to let people know what they've got in store here as we're already uh, 13 minutes into the show. Uh, we're going to do the, our, our weekly media highlights. I don't think we did it last week because it was um, um, it, it was after the Thursday game. And so some of those. Well, no one wanted to hear what all the negativity was anyway. Exactly. So I was like really, really looking forward to cutting together this week's media mashup because of all the positivity. And so when I kind of stumbled upon a couple of the national media quotes, I usually keep, try to keep it to the local media, but when I stumbled upon uh, some of the national media of people basically saying, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> this team is better than I thought. And so I said, I got to include this. So it's a little long today, uh, Dan. It's well, about 25 minutes. Well, before you hit it though, uh, no, hit it just, yeah, yeah, just saying, go ahead. Before you uh, hit, I was going to say, didn't Bayless came from Chicago media at one point, right? Wasn't Skip Bayless a Chicago guy? Yes. Uh, he started off in Texas and then came to the Chicago Tribune where he wrote a column for about four or five years, I think. Yeah. I, when I logged into Twitter to get the link here, I saw he was commending uh, Justin Fields and was saying that he's he's Jalen Hurts and uh, the yeah, Cowboys better look that. out this weekend. Yeah, I wish I would have found that uh, beforehand before doing the media thing. No, it was just a, it was his tweet. It wasn't. Yeah. A, but I think he he used it as kind of a tease to what he was going to talk about on his show with Shannon Sharp. So uh, maybe uh, maybe if it's good, I'll find it and just post it on on social media. For while people. you hit this, I am going to multitask because I don't know when the last time the Bears won in Massachusetts was. Like yeah. again. We beat them in 85 at Soldier Field. We beat them in 2000 at Soldier Field. Mm -hmm. Last night, obviously, Massachusetts. But before that, mm -hmm. like I think the last time they played them was in 82. That was at Soldier Field as well. So when is the last time we went up there and won in Massachusetts? So I got to figure know, that out. Do you know who Bill Burr, the comedian, is? Yes. He was on the Manning cast last night after we were done with our show, Bear Football. 
I went to bed and I put on the Manning cast uh, recording that I had and Bill Burr was there and boy, his knowledge of, of Patriots history was almost as impressive as yours. And he mentioned, yeah, you know, the bears haven't beaten us in New England and he gave the date, but my fucked up memory. I, I don't remember what it was, but uh, you'll find that. And how about if I go ahead then? And well, one last thing. Over. I swear to God, I'll shut up. No, no, please. Something please else we should up. mention during the broadcast. They were they were just so eager to say that Bill Belichick passed George Hallis last night. Didn't they want to say that? Yes, they had that they little did. fucking graphic with some guy with some fake, what sounded like a fake Boston accent, calling us the Bears. And that was uh, John Krasinski, the actor who was in the office and has b done the uh, Red Octo not not Red Octo, but the Jack Ryan uh, Amazon Prime series. He's a fairly well known actor, and when I saw him do that, and he literally phoned it in. It's not like he went to a studio in front of a professional mic and and recorded what he had to say. He phoned it in. It sounded terrible. The the, the that bit was stupid. A lot of the shit they do on Monday Night Football because it's a broad audience and they want to appeal to people who don't aren't traditionally hardcore fans. They, a lot of the shit they do for those people is just so fucking dumb. It, it is stupid. I mean, it's a they, big middle finger, like the time Green Bay brought us up there when they had Bart Starr and Brett Favre, and it was like yeah. homecoming when Cutler beat them on Thanksgiving. The same thing where the the whole network just couldn't wait for the Bears to lose, and that's mm -hmm. not a defense mechanism or oh they're out to get us. They do that to other teams too. I'm just saying. But last night they wanted New England to get that victory to say he surpassed Hallis and blah blah blah. We got this new kid who's a star, and the Bears suck. Fuck it. Let's hit the audience. <laughs> All right, I, uh, I I forgot to write down what I have here, but it starts with the local media and starts to gravitate to the national media. Um, here it comes. Let me get rid of your beautiful face first. <laughs> it's far from beautiful. <laughs> and here we go. It was the best performance of the offensive line all year. Where the hell has Michael Schofield been at left guard? It's been a chronic, uh, uh, you know, deficiency of the offensive line. Took an injury to figure it out. Well, but all that being said, the defensive line of the defense, it was their best performance of the year. All I know is that I, I think of what 15 of the writers here in town. Every one of them picked the New England Patriots. Perception is not reality. This football team has got a lot to be proud of tonight. Okay. here's First of all, congratulations to the Bears. <laughs> I mean, everybody everywhere, ownership, who, what, I mean, to them all. But here's what I saw tonight. Okay. And it kind of, I think it's a long time coming. And I mean, if you go five, six weeks, and, and you're playing helter-skelter offense. And what I saw tonight were sprint outs. I saw bootlegs. I saw naked bootlegs. I saw play action. I saw play action, which we hardly ever see. And the four people that I mentioned, Darnell Mooney, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, and Cole Komet, you heard them in all four quarters of the game. And the most important person... On a 53-man squad that has to be the leader and has to make it happen. There's only one, and he's got to be the guy. And tonight, he stepped up to the plate. Justin Fields was really the difference in this game. He was the difference. But if we can keep 
those four individuals, if we can hear their names for four quarters in running and catching the ball and attacking the field, and if we can get fields, I don't want them as a designated runner, but to get them out of the pocket, sprint them out, bootleg, naked bootleg, move the pocket to the stronger weak side. That's what I saw tonight. And again, I don't think anybody gave him a chance, but I'll tell you what. Thank, I'll tell you, I'm very proud of them. They met the damn challenge in a hard place to win, which is in New England against a great football coach, and they pulled it off, and I couldn't be happier because all those things I pointed out, I truly believe we have to do every week, and if we don't, we won't win. But if we do, I think we're going to give ourselves a damn good chance. To- Dad, do you hear Dan Hampton breathing? Uh, Dan always kind of breathes heavy into the mic. Uh, but he looks, if you see him, he still appears to be like in tremendous shape, though. But yeah, he does drink a lot. So, well, so do I. So. <laughs> I, I think that's what you were going at, right? You were worried about his yeah, health. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about his health. I'm worried about every of the 85 Bears' health, you know, because you and I texted each other, Mongo. Oh. I, I hope he lasts a year, but man, it doesn't look good. Every new picture I see of him, he's more and more gaunt. The next one is probably just going to be, I shouldn't say, I was going to say ashes, but I shouldn't say it. But I, I just feel awful for these guys. They gave so much joy to us Bears fans, and they don't sound healthy. A lot of them don't. Hey, anyway, one well, quick follow-up before you hit this. Sure. I've gone, like, the merger's 70, right? So. Mm-hmm. I don't think the I think that was the first one the Bears have ever had in Massachusetts because I've gone back to 70. Every time they played them in the 70s was in Chicago too. So I don't think they've ever won up there. I'm gonna double check it again from 70 on right now, but go ahead. I'm you multitasking. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Bill Burr was was making a joke that I didn't get, but uh yeah, double check that because that's something we need to talk about. All right, here we go back to this thing. To have a winning season. And you know what? Somewhere George Hallis is smiling because <laughs> his record is still subscribe to PFF Pro Football Focus. As do I. For all you haters of Sam Mustafer out there. Oh man. And Here we go. when we reported the other day, yeah, they're making a change. Musty to the bench, Patrick to center, Schofield the left. Thank God. Okay. Run block grades from last night. Number one, Tevin Jenkins, eighty five point one in run blocking. Number two, Sam Mustafer, 81.0. Pass blocking, not even close. Number one pass block, Sam Mustafer. Mm-hmm. Sam Mustafer was their highest graded offensive lineman last. How about that? Yeah, blind squirrel gets a nut every hey, now and then. Guess what? He did his job. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of surprises. I think, um, you know, last night, night. A good win for the Bears to build on in that I think you start, you're start you starting to see some of the things that Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey and all those guys are doing, working. And I think maybe the most encouraging thing is you're starting to see adjustment and progress from young players. You know, you see, obviously, Jaquan Brisker, the way he's playing. And I think he looks like he can be a star for you going forward. Um, and he's a guy we knew about in camp, you know. So it's a guy they ID'd early. And a guy that, you know, has sort of given you something to build on, Kyler Gordon making play in the secondary there. You know, and then, you know, with Fields, I think the coaches showing the, I would say, flexibility to change the plan as they go on. You're sort of seeing how Justin's athleticism can really work to compromise the defense and make things easier on I everybody. believe I told Hoodie, I think I got this right, 12 design runs his first 18 games of his career, and he had 12 last night. 
It's something like yeah. that. It's close. Uh, will this be who Justin will be for the rest of his career? And is that just, I mean, it's tough. You know, if you're asking a guy to run that much, um, yeah, but we've seen other teams do it, you know, and I think effectively what it does for you and your young quarterback is it buys him time to develop. Um, you know, I don't want to compare him one for one with Lamar because Lamar is so much different, but um, you see the way that Lamar uh, has developed as a passer, and there's no way Lamar develops as a passer, has a time to develop as a passer, unless the Ravens are doing creative things to buy him that time. Like, if they went out and tried to play him as, like, a drop-back passer from day one, he'd be off the team by now. You know what I mean? But they did they, they, they bent to do things that he does well, and in turn that bought him time to develop as a passer. And now Lamar Jackson is a pretty damn good passer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's what it can do for you is, you know, I, 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 I think it buys the young quarterback time to develop. And I think it can work that way for Justin. Um, and I, I think it gives you a chance to see if all of those pieces that Justin has, from his intelligence to his athleticism to his toughness to his arm strength, to some of the natural accuracy he has when everything's right around him, it gives you a, a better chance, I think, to see if he can bring all those things together and develop into the type of passer that a lot of people thought he could be coming out of Ohio. He was speaking your language when, when Matt Eberflus postgame talked about the value of practice and increasing individual time and what that meant to the victory they just provided. Help us understand how practices over the course of those 10 days, how expanding the time you devote to the individual drills can result in a total domination like we saw on Monday Night Football. Well, it's still a game, David. And I think, you know, when we had Tony Wise was in town last week and he was on the show that was his whole talk to, to you and Molly was about offensive line play, why it's so bad around the league nowadays on really, I mean, right across the board. And you, you look at the pressure and the lack of run game with some of these teams and uh, what what practice time does for you. Though, it's still a game of blocking and tackling. At the end of the day, it still comes down to that. We'd like to think that we're not doing it and we're trying to do everything from a safety standpoint and a limited time and on and on. But, you know, when the lights come on, you got to do it if you want to win. And I think particularly with the Bears, when I when I heard Matt say that, I really thought of what Tony talked about last week. The only way for an offensive line to get better is to practice full speed and to get reps at it. And I think we saw some of that last night. I mean, we got a very, very young offensive line, very young, as young as anybody in the National Football League from, uh, you know, rookies playing, two second-year players. And I, and I did see improvement. We got a young team, and um, so I, I loved that part of it. And we did the basic fundamental things well. I mean, we, we ran the ball, you know, we, we tackled better on defense. We were in our right fits on defense. I mean, those are basic things you put in the first week. But if you don't do them and if you don't work on them, you're not going to improve. What was the difference in this game? It was the quarterback runs for two reasons. One, I mean, we ran quarterback sneaks. I love we're under center now. Short yardage, goal line, eye formation, and and Montgomery walks in the end zone. Uh, We ran quarterback draw, okay? We ran quarterback sweep. We ran quarterback power. I mean, these were all well-executed plays, and here's the real key. 
that put that, that gets a defensive coach on his heels. They ran the quarterback with design runs on third down. That that quarterback sweep, it was a third down and five. And they line up and they were anticipated man coverage and they block everybody down and pull alignment and kick out. And Justin Fields hits the crease and turns up. This was big. I promise you right now that that'll be the first thing that Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, he's going to go in there today and he's going to be drawn up and he's going to say, we got to have a plan for not the scrambles. And we can't coach scrambles, okay? That happens. You hope you have good enough athletes to, to prevent the scrambles. But those designed runs, we have to have a plan for. I thought that was the best thing that happened. And, Molly, I'm going to throw it back at you. Pettis, we talked about him. The guy yeah, broke the yeah. NCAA record for touchdowns on punt returns at Washington, and he wasn't returning punts. What he did yesterday, they gave him the ball in a reverse to let him return kicks. He's not a frontline receiver that's going to run great routes. Get him the ball that way, and he'll make a hard press to find a uh, a Patriots player who had a good game. But but you had a great quote from Matthew Judon, who might be that guy. He had two and a half sacks, and he had three quarterback hits, and he 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 actually batted down a pass as well. And he said of Justin Fields. I think he was just keeping the chains moving. We kind of had no answers for him. And that's the extraordinary element of that. I I mean, they did not – Justin Fields was excellent in that game, and they had the design runs. And you, as you pointed out, it was as comprehensive a victory, all areas, as you're going to find. I thought it was more interesting maybe even what Devin McCourty said. You know, he thought that the Barrows – the the Bears, excuse me, had borrowed a little bit from the Baltimore Ravens, who in week three um, were successful at Foxborough. I think it was a Baltimore 37-26 to 26 win. Lamar Jackson ran for about 110 yards and a touchdown in that game. And uh, McCourty thought that some of the stuff that the Ravens hit New England with that they couldn't solve that day, the Bears looked at and said, hey, this will fit real nicely here with what we want to do against the Patriots. We'll see if they have a solution to it. And the Bears had not been showing this stuff, guys. We hadn't seen the design quarterback runs. Not a lot of them. I mean, most of them were like quarterback sneaks, right? And um, I thought that that um, really kind of helped set the tempo. And then for them to run the ball like they do, and, and they're tops in the NFL and rushing right now, where you've got fields, Montgomery and Herbert all pitching in seems like they have one guy a week kind of take turns uh, with a with a jet sweep and it was Dante Pettis yesterday you know it's not like there's one extraordinary back where this guy is carrying the load and you, you kind of worry man if something were to happen to him what's going to happen to that ground game they just spread it around so they've got fresh legs and uh, they continue uh, to pound the ball. I think that was the sixth most rushing yards uh, Bill Belichick's allowed since he's been in New England, guys. Right back into it. They're tied with the Packers now at three and four. Wild card berths will be available. There's at least going to be one up for grabs for a team. Dan, are you there? I am. They're gonna, there's national media starting to talk about the Bears in the playoffs. <laughs> well, before you go back to it, I've got the answer to what I've been looking for. Okay, Last night was only the fifth time in the history of the Bears-Patriots 
rivalry to ever be played in Massachusetts. The first game they ever played, period, was in 73. But the first time they went to New England was in 88. The game I mentioned was McMahon's final start in the regular season for the Bears. It was Doug Flutie's revenge game and a game that Phil Atoshin said he attended. The Bears lost 30-7. to In 97, Rick Meyer started. We lost 31-3. to 06, Rex started. That's when Brady juked Erlacher. We lost 17-13. 2014, the Lamar Houston dancing game. We're down 50. I got a sack. Oh, there's my knee. 51-23, the Bears lost. And then last night. So the Bears are 1-4 in, in the state of Massachusetts. That was their first victory ever in New England. Wow, Dan. Great research. Yeah. Fucking Tooch. He lied to us. He said something about Gillette Stadium. I don't know what the fuck. Well, that was the first game. Uh, yeah, that was the... Third game at Gillette Stadium. The other two are at Sullivan Stadium. Wow. Uh, just giving me the middle finger right now. <laughs> All right, back to our video. It's at or around 500. Now, you need the Giants or the Cowboys to cool off a little bit to have two yeah. wild card berths in play in the NFC. But the Bears right in the thick of things. And this is a building block game. This is the perfect time to have a game like this. You no come doubt. out of this. Feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah. Now, now you got a short week. You got five days until Sunday, but you you have to feel like this is a positive. Oh, and they get a chance to knock down the Cowboys a little bit because they go to Dallas. But hey, we just won in Foxborough. If we won in Foxborough, we can give the Cowboys a run for the money. That's the mindset they have to take in there. They are building something there, and every week it's physical, tough. You know, in the football game, no matter who they play, they outplayed Washington, you know, hung in there with the Giants at 6-1, and one, and it came down to the very end. You know, we, we know they beat the 49ers, hung in there with the Green Bay Packers. But I don't know if you noticed this last night, Mike. Eberflus is really managing the game. Eberflus, in my opinion, looked like he was also involved in the play calling a little bit. Uh, did you see how many times he was standing next to, you know, uh, 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 get, Luke, Luke Getze? Exactly. Thank you for saving me there. Where, you know, he had his hand like, and he's telling him, he's putting his sheet over, hey, yeah, run the ball here. Or, yeah, I, I like that quarterback run here. And all of that. That, that to me, I saw that, and I, I'm going to go back. I make mistakes, but I'm never stubborn. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I didn't like Matt Eberflus being hired. A defensive coach, once again by the Chicago Bears, who have a history of leaning heavily into defense as the league is changing, with a young quarterback and a bad offensive line. And their first two draft picks were a cornerback and a safety, and I didn't like it. But I have never seen Bill Belichick completely, utterly outcoached for three hours and 45 minutes. All phases, all night. Never seen that. I've seen Belichick lose... I've seen Belichick get blown out. I have never seen Belichick get on like that. Belichick, 70% of Bill's wins. You remember the Super Bowls. You remember the AFC Championship. 70% of his wins are over new staffs, young quarterbacks. He makes them play left-handed, and the games aren't competitive. Eberflus did that to Belichick last night. And that was ugly. Now, every week, the Bears, it feel like, feels like to me, are a little better. Is this now the ceiling or the standard? Because, and you see this, sometimes it's just a magical night. It's very possible, extra prep time with a young quarterback, young O-line. It was a magical night. 
You see it in college football all the time. You see a 15-point, 20-point underdog win. It's a good matchup. Uh, they get a couple breaks early. The other team can't get their quarterback right. It could have just been a magical night. That's entirely possible. But it feels like to me when you're a rebuilding team, like let's say the Jets, there are certain boxes you want to check, right? The quarterback, the left tackle, the edge rusher, the G The Jets got the GM right. Joe Douglas has had back-to-back -back great drafts. I don't know if the coach and the quarterback are right. Who knows? But the Jets have checked a box. Joe Douglas, GM, check. New York Giants are rebuilding. Uh, we don't know about the new GM. We'll have to see, you know, the draft picks. But Brian Dayball, the coach, check. The Giants have checked the coach box. They got that right. Uh, Denver, not so sure. Um, and I look at the Bears right now, and I still don't like offensive line. They don't have enough weapons. But they got, they got the corner, they got the safety, and I think we can check the coach. This looks like a fundamentally, really well-coached team. And I got to tell you something. Last night, Justin Fields, 13-21, 179 yards, 85 passer rating. It is possible that's what he is. A very athletic kid that runs out of the pocket too soon, but can deliver strikes, can get it downfield. I don't know what he is. He doesn't look terribly comfortable in the pocket on a regular basis. But even with him as a defensive coach, Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, I like the game they call. I like the game they call. I mean, think about this. Even with that offensive line and limited weapons, they had 24 first downs. They had the ball for 37 minutes and averaged six yards a pass. So the defensive leaning organization and defensive head coach, that's pretty good with that offensive line. They even figured that out. But the Bears roster is pretty talent thin on the offensive side. But, and I say this all the time, if you hire a coach, can he get his side of the ball right? That Bears defense is playing above itself. I don't think they're that talented. I mean, they got a rookie corner, rookie safety. These guys are playing like pro bowlers. So the, he has aced that he has figured that defense out. That is a great sign. McVay figured out the offense in L.A. immediately. McDermott defense in Buffalo very quickly. And the second thing is Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator. I said this three weeks ago. I said it a week ago. He's really clever. Maybe that's part of Green Bay's problems. He left the Packers. He went to the Bears. I think he's clever. I like what he does. Some of it's smoke and mirrors with that offensive line, but... One of the very few points of criticism that Peyton Manning can give you uh, is that why take a knee when you could score 40 I in Foxborough? I think that's you're having a good night on Monday Night Football. And I'm, I'm actually kind of sad on this Tuesday morning right. that mm. we're done seeing the Bears on primetime because we, we've been through it with the Bears on primetime. We saw them against the Seahawks in a preseason game where everyone was watching because it was, okay, what do we get? For, and it didn't look good. Then we, we saw them against the Packers on a Sunday night. Didn't look good. We saw against Commanders 10 days ago. They got to the goal line, they got to the yeah. end zone, and they just couldn't put it in. Then last night, like, it finally all came together. They're three and four right now. You know, you do the thing in sports TV, this win for the Bears was, and it's just one word, finally. Mm. And then several more words. What have we been waiting for? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, why was this game plan, which is just beautiful, beautiful. Where has this been? 
Why wasn't Matt Nagy doing this? Why wasn't Getsy doing it in the first half of the year? It looks so effortless. And sure, he still takes a tons of hits, and he gets rocked like every other play. But this is the guy they drafted. This is the guy they traded up to draft and gave it all the trades. It was so satisfying. Just let's run them. We love Herbert. We love all these guys. But instead of sitting around looking for Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, like I, I love those guys, let's just run fields. Yeah. Let's just do it in the red zone everywhere. And I, I listened to Devin McCourty talk after the game, and he said, they didn't do this many quarterback runs on film. We they watched don't. them. We didn't expect this. Perfect. And then you see them go out there, and Fields was all over the place. To your point, the quarterback runs, the scrambles, those are killers as a defense when you have everybody cover or you have every gap filled, and then the quarterback makes a play. And Justin Fields deserves so much credit, but that Bears defense, uh -huh. they were good. I mean, you take away two plays in that game, the zappy throw to Jacoby Myers and the deep ball to Devontae Parker, the Patriots didn't do anything on offense. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson had 39 yards rushing. And then these interceptions, the two rookies getting their first career interceptions, both of them snagging them with one hand. They made it look so easy. Just hey, uh, tip it to myself. Let me get that. And I mean, he's supposed to score, but I mean, my goodness, no, throwing is fast. He's, he was rolling <laughs> yeah, to catch him. But this, they were rolling and they found ways to make plays to win this game. And I know Fields was good and he made the right plays and he didn't make any uh, mistakes really in the game. But, my man, this Bears defense and Roquan Smith, like you mentioned in the highlight, the contract stuff, all of these things. He had a sack in the game, had an interception. He was all over the place. And then to finish it up in the crowd, and you see him doing the money thing, <laughs> this, they just looked like they rallied around as Monday night. They knew the last time they were on primetime. And shout out to the coaching staff using that I'm extra ready. time to get these guys ready to have a game plan going forward. And they rolled into Foxborough. They were confident. They knew they could win that game when nobody picked them. I'm watching all the pregame mm -hmm. shows, and it's all images of <laughs> Pat the Patriot. Of course. Everybody had yeah. the Patriots win, and the Bears had a hell of a night. This really strange unicorn of a moment happened in Foxborough last night, and it happened before the game even started. Peter, how often does a general manager walk into a visiting team's press box and hold an impromptu press conference? Not often. Literally never <laughs> happens. Uh, general manager for the Bears, first year Ryan Poles, general mm -hmm. manager, walks into Foxborough last night, stands up against the wall with the biggest smile on his face. It looked, as it was happening in real time, like this strange anomaly, like, Ryan Poles, why are you doing this? Then he starts talking, and he says these very strange insights, and honestly, as the quotes were coming out before the game, you're like, is this guy delusional? What yeah. is he talking <laughs> yeah. about? He says, what I was really encouraged about how they handled this mini-buy, the 10 days off, was the ability to look in the mirror, see what we do well, and see what we don't do well. My translation was like, he went to the coordinators and the coaches and was like, start using our quarterback the right way. Start using our defensive guys the way that they could play in their best. Specifically to Justin Fields' play, he said, with young players, you want to look for flashes. Mm -hmm. This flash, like connecting with Dante Pettis against the Commanders a couple of weeks ago, mm. flashes like that with Justin Fields is what you want to see in his development. Here's the Fields' connection to the, against the Commanders. And then Pettis is able to just take off. You want to see moments like that and moments build into games, which is what we saw last night on Monday Night Football for the Bears. There is nothing more proud than Ryan Poles standing up there and say, I stand by the decisions that I have made thus far this season. Again, two and four at the time that they were. I stand by the draft picks that I did and how I've handled this team. Brisker. When you look at who picked the ball off last night, Jason just touched on this. Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, and Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith, the guy that said, I, didn't, I don't think I want to be in Chicago in August. I cannot imagine what Ryan Poles feels like this morning, waking up after saying what he said, putting a man behind his word with the decisions that he's made this offseason in his first year as general manager, 
for the Bears, and then the way his team went out and played last night, that is fantastic. It is awesome. He had a, it was a great night for Ryan Paul. And I want to start with a story you told us in the meeting yeah. before we went on Get Up this morning that I think was extremely illuminative about what we saw last night and why it might be the beginning of something really good. Yeah, it could. Look, the, the Bears, this Bears front office and coaching staff is not the one that drafted Justin Fields. But they do like him, and they do believe in him and his ability and his intangibles and, and all the great things about him. They believe that as the – look, at the beginning of the year, I think, you know, new coaches figure, here's what we have, here's what we don't have. We have a young quarterback trying to learn a new offense in his second year. Let's lean on the run game. Let's try and keep games, you know, muddy and ugly and, and, and win that way. And it worked. They won a couple. But they also feel like – you know, the quarterback does have more to offer than they're asking of him. So they have this Thursday night game last week. So they go into their sort of mini buy. They have a little extra time to make plans. The, the front office and coaching staff can meet while the players aren't there. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is we feel like Justin needs to play with more confidence. How can we put his him in better situations to succeed? And one of the solutions was... Let's get him on the move more. Let's design some runs for him. He's a very good runner, and he might feel more comfortable overall in a game setting where he's being asked to do more of the things he's good at. And maybe that translates to him cutting a couple of these throws loose And because they think he can make the throws down the field. They know they're not protecting him very well. So, I mean, I think it was it showed up last night. It'll be interesting to see if they maintain it going forward as part of the game plan. They really should. Let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt that the reasoning wasn't that it just occurred to right. them to do this. <laughs> of course it wasn't. But, but they felt like they needed to sort of bring it along slowly. It is, once again, a great illustration of something we talk about a lot, which is young quarterbacks, yeah. they don't get drafted in the first round because they can't play. Right. <clears throat> but almost all of them have a particular skill set, and the rest of it needs to be developed. Right. Th and if you put them in the right position you have a chance. Yeah, I think uh, you and I agree on this, that more quarterbacks are ruined than actually bust. And I think that you can look at the recent history of the league, the best quarterbacks in the league all came into good situations. The reason why that matters is because it gives you time to develop. Well, hopefully for his sake and their sake, they've unlocked a little something, continue to build. Because he has shown improvement every week. Like, he has played better as this year has gone along. See, the, the, the perfect, the best example of this, the shining light on the hill of this is Josh Allen. Right. Because it's easy to forget now, Josh Allen came into the league with a, a particular set of skills, to quote the great Liam Neeson, and a lot of development necessary. Right. He, he, didn't, he wasn't the third quarterback taken in that draft by accident because a lot of people didn't think he would ever be able to develop some of the other stuff. But Brian Dayball and um, uh, the Ken head Dorsey. coach's name just jumped out of my head. Ken Dorsey? I think, uh, well, no. now Ken Dorsey, but the head coach, uh, oh, Sean, Sean McDermott, McDermott. excuse yeah. me, and, and, and all, they, they did exactly right. They said, all right, let's do what he can do. All right. Let's work on that, and let's slowly but surely add a little, add a little, add a little. And then when he was really ready, they added the biggest piece of it, which is Stefan Diggs, Diggs, and boom, now you got an MVP caliber player for a decade. I don't know that Justin Fields can become that, but I don't know that he can't. Sure. And this feels like the right way to take the first step in that journey. Yeah. Dan Aguirre, I need to know what you're thinking. Uh, where should I start? First off, I don't like Mike Greenberg at all. Really? He's a duplicitous fuck. He he let Mike Golick just drown. Uh, I mean, after they had you know partnership for what like 15 years, 
mm-hmm. and he whores himself. What if John Madden would have been like, I'm too big for Pat Summerall now. Hell, I've got all these commercials. Fuck Pat. You know, he didn't do that. But but Mike that, did that. I think that's different, though, because, excuse me for interrupting, but no, no, please. I think Summerall was talented. Golick was not. But you don't think, I mean, but the, they did Mike and Mike forever, and Mike was just I as know. good as the other Mike, I thought, and he just threw him out to the pastor and, like, went See, behind his back and took another there's, gig. And There's one thing that, uh, you know, not a lot of people can do what Greenberg does. A lot of people can do what Golick does. And ESPN knew that and said, why are we paying that guy all this money when we can bring in Graziano, we can bring in all these other guys to interact with Greenberg. Greenberg handles the tough part. He's very fucking talented at what he does. And Golick is a good analyst, but there's those guys are a dime a dozens. They're, they're like running backs nowadays. And, and Golick, excuse me, Greenberg is, is a quarterback. But please go ahead. I just feel like you, you work with a guy 15 years, man. It's you, You're supposed to be straight up with him. That's my opinion. But uh, I feel like I know why Mike Golick Jr. hates him, and I'm probably senior, but Golick Jr. always puts him on fucking blast. I didn't know uh, that. He does, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was good to – I got to give Colin Cowherd props. How about it? Yeah, because everybody else in the national piece was basically pissing me off because they constantly just bury the bears. And then today they're praising them just because, you know, because it's what they have to do because they won last night, but they didn't acknowledge that, you know, they, all they do is talk shit about him. but Colin Cowherd did. He came out and said, look, I said all this and I said all that and I was fucking wrong and give him props, man. He, he did say that. Now what's interesting from the national piece, I didn't know uh, what all that, uh, that polls was said that was so like contradictory or whatever. They were like, how, how could he say all this before the game? I mean, I, I I mean, it's cool that they're acknowledging whatever he said, but it didn't seem like it was that earth shattering to me. Like he said, uh, I like my draft picks. He's not going to tell you he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it it felt like he had coach speak. I didn't think he said anything dramatic that, I think it was the timing of it to do it right before a huge Monday night football game against an opponent that people thought was going to throttle you for him to go up there and speak uh, confidently about his approach toward general managing the team took some balls. You know, I mean, I've acted as a communications consultant. If somebody told me, yeah, I want to go tell these motherfuckers that I'm behind everything. I would look at the situation and I'd say, you know what, maybe you should wait till after this game because we might get our asses kicked. So I think that was the bigger, bigger thing. Not so much what he said. And I've got a Colin Cow heard this myself. I, I'm what David Kaplan was saying. I'm definitely one of the people that were like, oh, no, Sam Mustafer. Oh, God. Oh, God, Sam Mustafer. Which, again, I sent that tweet out last night, which I was kidding. I, that's I why I said the erectile dysfunction and COVID-19 and he's the worst player in 102. I was trying to use exaggeration to, just to prove my point, though, that, oh, shit, Sam's in the game. I'm scared to death. We're going to lose now. And the first two drives with him, the Bears didn't do anything, and the New England scored 14. I'm like, oh, God, Sam Mustafer's in. Uh, but I'll eat it, man. If Sam Mustafer can play well and it's because of my bullshit snarky tweets, 
then have at it. Uh, I, like I said with Khalil Mack, it seemed like every time I, I said something like, God, Khalil, put him on a milk carton, then he'd have three sacks. <laughs> so I, I will own this and say, Sam Mustafer, if you know I did say you sucked and you had a great game, I'm an asshole. All right, so I got to throw people in because when when Dan sent me a copy of his tweet, um, I was in a, uh, a state of mind where I was frustrated. It was like, fuck, man, we got out to a 10 to nothing lead. Should have been 14 to nothing. And now we let this fucking team t- take the lead. And so Dan tweets me, we lost all momentum when Sam came in. And I'm well, like, the what part was true at the time. It, it is true, but it wasn't his fault. Right, I know, I know. <laughs> and then he sends me a copy of his tweet, which I will read verbatim. At this point, I could believe that some, Sam Mustafer is responsible for the inception of COVID-19 and erectile dysfunction. His mere presence flipped this entire game. He may be the worst player in the 103-year history of the Chicago Bears. So I respond, that's an awful tweet. I can't endorse that. It's mean and without merit. So after I sent it, I said, you know what? Maybe my, my comment to Dan was mean. And without merit. No. <laughs> no, but I can tell you took it. I, I gave you like 20 minutes of like time to because I was like, damn, I didn't mean that was like maybe it was a poor joke. I'll give you that. Maybe it was a no, poor joke. But I, I thought I set it up in such a way that anyone reading it would think, ah, oh, this guy, maybe we don't like it, but he's not really saying that Sam's the worst or Sam gave us COVID or, you know, I just, that's why I exaggerated it. So it would come across as just like, oh shit, Sam is in the game now. Fuck, you know, but I tried to do it in a way that was, you know, comical to a certain degree. And it was upon reflection. I said, you know, this is this is funny. Uh, he he did a nice job here. But I just when I'm watching the Bears, and I've said this a, a number of times. I don't like the negative energy around me, or I feel a lot of times where I should be the only one allowed to criticize the Bears because I feel like they're my child. I've been watching them longer I than you. It, I I've loved them longer than you. Why are you criticizing my child, the Chicago Bears, and little Sam Mustafer? <laughs> From my perspective, that wasn't negativity as much as it was like anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. oh, God, as soon as we get Lu- Lucas Patrick in the spot, we want him. As soon as we get him there, yes, and it's all in to get me fucked up. I know. But <laughs> as soon as we get him back, he's out with a fucking toe. I mean, I get if you broke your toe, maybe you can't exactly fire off the line. But it's yeah. like as soon as we get him where we want him, he's fucking out and Sam is back in. Kill me. That's what I kept thinking, man. Kill me. <laughs> It was just anxiety, and for it to hear those numbers that Kaplan gave, mm-hmm. that he was so effective. Hey, he's got me and every the majority of other Bears fans on his ass, t- telling him how bad he sucks. And he came through obviously with the game of his life. And big props to him. And you know, hey, Sam, you deserve to put your dick in my mouth. I don't want it, but I mean, you deserve <laughs> it. Play that way again, and maybe we'll talk. Uh, Sam, by the way, in uh, Brad Biggs' 10 Thoughts uh, column, he talked to um, Sam Mustafer, and he, he Brad Biggs asked Mustafer, how did you handle the benching? And he said, I'm pissed. It's not in my nature. I'm a competitor. I want to help the Bears win in any way possible. Was there games that I had that were rough? Yeah. 
But there's games that guys have that are rough versus elite players all the time. One of the games that was rough, let's not beat around the bush. It was against the New York Giants. Dexter Lawrence is having is playing at an all-pro level right now. If I am who I say I am and I work the way I work, I want to be able to block those guys. But yeah, I was pissed with the benching. And that just endears me to Sam even more. I I know that he's he's like the Rudy of offensive linemen. He's never going to be the guy. But I love his his life story, that he went to Notre Dame, he earned a starting job, and then when he was ready to, for the draft, nobody thought he was worthy of a draft pick. He's signed as a free agent by the Chicago Bears. He works his ass off, and when he's needed because of – tons of injuries to the offensive line. He comes in, has a great game. There's a spontaneous applause from his fellow teammates when his name comes up in a, in, in a meeting. And so I, I pull for guys like that. And so I hate to see, just like with Charles Leno, the, you know, Charles Leno was a good fucking guy. No, no, no. He, he tore up that bear and put the GSH inside his jacket and all that shit. He, talked to, he had his little revenge game. And he talked shit and tore up a bear. It's like you had to be offended by that. I was. I, I see. I wasn't. That was his. That was his moment. His his personal. To take our GSH uh, George S. Hallis sleeve and de- desecrate it. That's like going from the bloods to the crypts and and switching colors and yeah, but it's not like the other that. side. It's uh, see. I have empathy for what these guys go through. I, I've seen how hard they work. I, I've I've heard these stories of how much they've committed of themselves to try to be good and be better and represent their team. And then when I see all these fucking cheap shots thrown at them at social media, shit that nobody would say in front of their fucking faces, it annoys me. It fucking annoys me. So, you know, and look, Chubb says, fuck Charles Leno. See, that's that's the thing. That, that, that bothers me, you know? And I do it too, Chubbs. There are certain players that I just fucking feel angry. So, I, I you know, I know that I'm being hypocritical here. So I apologize for that. But there are certain players that I will go down defending because I've learned en- enough about their life story to have some empathy and, and feel, you know, like I want them to succeed. I want them to do good. And if tr- this was Charles Leno's Super Bowl, beating the Bears one week and, and then uh, beating the Packers the next week, then God bless him. He deserves that. He does a lot of work for the community. Uh, end of story. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, man, he was on – remember he proposed on the field. And yeah. We, he certainly – he got drafted by a team when no one else wanted to draft him because he was in the seventh round. And and he got a big nice contract with the Bears. So his livelihood came from the Bears. And for him to just be out there saying, fuck the Bears, man, fuck him. I don't fuck know. Fuck him and Adrian Amos. I hope Adrian Amos never plays another down. If you told me he got hurt next week, fuck that traitor. Uh, and so I was joking uh, when I was watching the Redskin game or whatever, the Commanders. I watched it really late after midnight because I was busy all day Sunday and cleaning and slept and stuff. And I was watching it after midnight at work. And I was like, man, I, the lady I was watching with, she got pissed at me. I was kidding. I was like, you remember the movie We Are Marshall? Remember when they crashed? I was like, if you told me the Packers flight crashed <laughs> and everyone everyone perished, well, no, maybe just Aaron Rodgers and Pat O'Donnell and Adrian Amos, if they were the three that perished. And she's like, that's awful. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm a dick. 
I, I, I don't know, man. I, by the way, your humor and my humor are very similar. You know, I spent a little time with my wife before we did the show. We were watching Bachelor in Paradise, and some guy got eliminated from Bachelor in Paradise. And so I say to my wife, man, if I was him, I would be pissed off. I didn't even get a chance to fuck that chick before she threw me <laughs> off the island. <laughs> and I'm really embarrassed right now that I'm saying this, and Caitlin Lanier, I think I'm pronouncing her name correctly, has just joined us backstage. So she's probably thinking, what the fuck did I get myself into? But I did warn her that we do swear and we do sexist jokes here. And there she is now. Caitlin, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Did I pronounce your name correctly or did I screw it up again? Um, it's pronounced Leaner, my last name. Leaner. Jeez, Dan, it's your, your fucking fault. You made me well, when you first told me we had a guest, I thought you said Caitlyn Jenner. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I think he got woman no. of the year. She got woman of the year a couple of years ago. So, And then he asked me would I suck Caitlyn Jenner's dick. And then, so this is the kind of show you just joined. I was the only one that said yes. <laughs> well, if you have to... Along those lines, if you ever need to figure out how to pronounce my name, Lena rhymes with Wiener. So there's that. <laughs> there you go. Now I'll never forget. <laughs> that worked for me. Caitlin, how are you? Doing pretty good after this Bears win. Ah, the perfect words. The perfect words. Caitlin joined us on the Bear Debate uh, a few weeks ago. I've listened to a handful of her podcasts, uh, and I've always thought that she was very talented, had a very unique view, uh, and a view that a lot of people should listen to on her po podcast, uh, Bear Down Girl podcast. And uh, so I, I've been dying to have her on this particular show. Uh, it is, uh, and I warned her, this is uncensored. It's barroom talk. It's it's out there. And she bravely said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks a lot for being on. Caitlin, um, Dan and I and uh, John Santucci, uh, who is backstage right now, we desperately want to know your impressions on this game. Why was this a big victory for the Chicago Bears? They just looked like a way more energized team. Like they just looked like they got revitalized over this mini bye week. Like the coaches made so many adjustments. They switched, you know, Getsy switched up the game plan and Justin looks like a whole new man. So it just, it felt different, especially from start to finish. The whole team just seemed pretty dominant um, for the most part uh, from what we expect from them. So it just seemed like I was just watching a different team. Hey, Caitlin, I got to tell you, this is very, very weird because you come on and all of a sudden this this sex workshop thing comes up on our chat room. Oh, wow. <laughs> These algorithms are amazing. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. I know you got questions for Caitlin. Well, something I always ask everyone that comes on, uh, and it's not because I don't want you to think, oh, he's just asking me this because I'm a lady or whatever. Uh, I, if you were a male, I would ask you the same question. Uh, question like, so what made you a Bears fan? Like, who who was your favorite like player? Like, what made you think that's my team? It started as a kid. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I still live in Pennsylvania, so everything's kind of like Steelers or Eagles. Um, I just kind of always thought outside the box as a kid, and just kind of fell in love with the team. Um, definitely early two thousands. Erlacher definitely made me kind of fall in love with the Bears even more, and. Devin Hester, which ah. is kind of, yeah, that's like my favorite all-time player. Just doesn't get much better than him. He's definitely the GOAT at what he did. 
Dan, Dan, you got to tell her uh, your feelings about Erlacher. No, I, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> but I, I love that Hester started the Super Bowl off with a touchdown. That still has never happened except once with Devin. So, yeah, and you said you're in Pennsylvania. I'm adjacent to you in West Virginia, and I can agree that there's Steeler fans everywhere. Either yeah. from when I grew up as either Steelers or, or Washington. So, yeah, but for me, it was Jim McMahon that made me a Bears fan. But uh, anyway, Aldo, go ahead. Well, I um... – I, I, I want to get back to yesterday's game. Do you think that Justin Fields did enough to prove to you that he truly is the franchise quarterback of the of the Chicago Bears, or are you a little bit still? And I don't know if you were if I'm phrasing this correctly, but are you a little more guarded, still guarded of of where he could potentially end up as with the Chicago Bears? I think generally speaking, I feel great about him as a franchise quarterback. I think he has like all the intangibles and I always judge it off of just kind of like in those moments, those crunch time moments, like how you perform. And he generally performs at, you know, his best in those moments. I think he hasn't been blessed with the greatest support system around him. Um, I still think there's things he needs to work on in terms of reading the field better. Um, Definitely was better this game, but it's still a work in progress. I think he still has some development there to do. Um, and if he can continue to pick up like just NFL defenses, then he can be really special. But I think, you know, he has all the tools. I think I think that if given the right support system around him, he could really flourish into our, you know, superstar. I like that. By the way, you now have a new follower for your podcast. Chubbs82 is uh, says that he's going to give you a follow now. So good job, Chubbs. And I uh, urge everybody else to give a follow to uh, Caitlin. Caitlin, what is your uh, uh, Twitter handle? I want to make sure people on the audio podcast side have that. Sure. So the podcast Twitter handle is at Bear Down Girl Pod. Also at Caitlin Leaner if you want to follow my personal Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me there. Excellent. Um, another question for you regarding Justin Fields. I'll ask it on the other side of this comment from Coach Eberflus talking about uh, utilizing Justin Fields on all these pre-designed run plays. There were a total of 12 of them that they designed for Justin Fields, and he was asked about – he was asked, is this something that we're going to see more of? Yeah, I mean, I think once you put it on tape, I mean, the guy's got – you have to defend it. You know, and then you want to be creative in the ways that you do things uh, and you want to do it in a safe way, you know, because it is your quarterback. You want to make sure you're doing that the right way. He's asked to know when to do things the right way in terms of when to slide, when to get out of bounds and all those things. And then, you know, he has the unscripted place, you know, where on third down he drops back and then, you know, we'll we'll take off for a first down or even on, you know, even on first down do that. So I think it's very hard to defend. Um, I've tried to defend those guys over the years and it's very difficult. So. Uh, we just have to do it the right way. And we got to be creative, which is how we do it. So we're going to do that. We're working on the game plan right now, so we're excited about getting that going. So, Caitlin, here's how I feel about that. Do it. Do it as often as you can. This is a an incredible weapon that you have. I was pissed off at Nagy that he didn't have more pre-designed run plays for Trubisky. That was one of his strengths. He was much better running with the football than he was throwing it. And so Justin Fields, at this point in his career, that's his number one weapon. And hopefully he will progress to the point where he's throwing passes with smarts and throwing the ball away with smarts and doing all those things that a veteran quarterback 
really good veteran quarterbacks do. But right now, his biggest weapon is running with the football. And I don't care, you know, not that I don't care if he gets hurt, but there are ways to protect yourselves by running the football, run out of sidelines, dive and so forth, or slide, what have you. What are your thoughts uh, of Justin Fields and having him have more pre-designed run plays for every game? I've kind of been all for that for a while now. I think, you know, I mean, half the reason we, I feel like we drafted him is because he brings this different dynamic that defenses, it's hard to game plan against. It just, it gives us a weapon, basically, another running back, basically. And so I think, especially with him, as he's still learning how to fit as an NFL passer, uh, you know, against different defenses, I think it's going to give him more confidence if he can. I, I see it. It just seems like these past few games, he just he seems to gain more confidence when he's having success running. And I, I think if the, you know, they actually design for those runs, it's going to be more, more probably safer for him because, you know, sometimes scrambling, he just takes off and runs and he doesn't really care and he takes unnecessary hits. So I just think it should be a part of the offense in general just because of his athleticism. Excellent. Dan, the one got? run that they that they you showed on the highlights where he kind of goes off tackle toward the left and scores on, you know, the, the play I'm talking about. Yep. They ran that earlier this season. I can't remember which team, but it was to the opposite side, and he got creamed. Mm-hmm. It was a, it probably against the Giants or Minnesota. It was one of those, but they have tried that play before, and it didn't work. So, you know, I, I'll take all the praise we can as Bears fans to say our coaches did a great job, but, I mean, it's not like they haven't tried to run him a little bit before is my point. Mm-hmm. But again, to have the national media coming out and like basically kissing the bears ass on this Tuesday, hell yeah, I'll take it because I'm so used to hearing them just say we suck and we're, we're awful. And I take all that shit personally. So. Chubbs is saying that the fucking assholes at Disney got me. Well, what are you talking about, Chubbs? <laughs> um, Galen, I want your thoughts on the offensive line. Let's start with Sam Mustafer. Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you were listening just before we put you on the air, but Dan and I were having a talk about Sam. I kind of feel sorry for the guy. I, I'm rooting for him because he's a guy that's I, – I root for the guys that, that people – you know, bitch about and complain about and so forth. Cause these guys are trying, they're doing things that I could never fucking dream or imagine doing. And this has been their lifelong dream. And so I'm really pulling for Sam Mustafer to do well. Is he great? No, but I don't want to fucking malign him. Although I, like I said earlier, I, I am a little bit hypocritical because I've done it to some players before, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on Sam Mustafer and whether you think he could be a starting long-term uh, offensive lineman for the Bears, or do you think that he's a fucking asshole? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of uh, on that approach. I, I'm definitely out on him. <laughs> Uh, I saw one play last night where he's like, just basically like running around, not even trying to block anybody. And I, I just, I've seen enough from him to know that he doesn't have it. And I mean, certain things just like snapping the football seems to be difficult sometimes for him. Um, so it, it just, I've seen enough. I don't really think there's any more, uh, that we need to see from him. I think we just need to find hopefully a replacement who can stay healthy. I agree. I agree with her. You know, to me, I'm going to make an analogy. Sam Mustafer is like the popular, and I'm switching sports. He's like the popular 12th man on the Bulls. 
he's Bill Winnington. Oh, he comes in and makes a big dunk occasionally. We love Bill Winnington because he's the 12th man and he's white and fuck, you know, whatever. But I mean, he's the guy you root for because he's like slow or he's not as good or it's like, oh, he's doing this with Down syndrome or, or something like that. You know, it's just like that doesn't make him. I mean, like she said, we've seen enough. We know he's not good enough to start, but it looks like unless Patrick's toe is going to heal before Sunday, he's going to start again. So I'll have to be a muster for a fan, but I just fear he's going to go back to who he is next Sunday. Well, and I'm worried about Schofield, that left guard, uh, only because I, he had a, a absolutely great game yesterday. But what I saw in the preseason was a little bit, concerning and he was dropped and he was picked up only because a Alex Leatherwood uh, became injured and now he's starting. Caitlin, what are your thoughts about Michael Schofield at left guard? Are you hopeful? Are you worried? Uh, tell us. In general, when it comes to offensive linemen, I, it's hard for me to be optimistic. I just kind of have to wait and see. Um, I just haven't seen this unit in like, they, they basically what it is they're not a unit it's just too many shuffle shuffled guys in and out of the starting lineup i i mean it just feels like showfield at this point is just kind of like you know a fill-in option because cody's not there so i don't really have too high of opinions when it comes to any offensive lineman unfortunately so leatherwood was in a car crash is that right yeah i i believe it was a minor fender bender but um the injury is bad enough to to keep him out for a few weeks. And and now he's been activated and the bears have a couple of weeks to decide whether they can keep him on the active roster for the rest of the season or uh, put him on IR for the rest of the season. So uh, it appears like they'll probably give him an opportunity to play because the fact is that he's been practicing a little bit. So we'll see about Leatherwood. Greg Gabriel feels like they should just put him in mothballs and prepare him for the next season. But the reality of the situation, they may not have that luxury with this offensive line. And I wanted to get Caitlin's thoughts on Tevin Jenkins. We heard all these stories in the preseason, everything from, oh, my gosh, he drinks too much beer to he's a malcontent. Uh, and then he goes out there on the football field and he basically gets, flips the bird to everybody and says, I'm a bad MF. Now, that's <laughs> the guy you should be rooting for right there, Aldo. There you go. You're right. <laughs> You're right. He he drinks beer like me. <laughs> yeah. no, but he really was maligned by everybody, and and not yeah, because of bad play, just because everyone decided he was a bust before he even really got a chance to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Caitlin, what are your thoughts on uh, Tevin Jenkins? I think my only issue with with him was like health wise, if he could stay healthy for a whole season. Because mm -hmm. um, I mean, as soon as we drafted him, it's just like he was he wasn't even there. He was like, you know what had back surgery or whatnot. So it's, it's just kind of like, okay, can you stay healthy for me? Um, mm -hmm. And then for, I mean, in general, I think he's actually a good, good guard to have. Um, I just don't, I, I, I think health was a big thing. Um, I actually, I actually feel highly about him. I didn't like when they were shuffling him and um, Lucas Patrick, like they kept shuffling them in and out. I just wanted Tevin Jenkins out there. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm definitely, I definitely see promise in him. Um, if only he can just, you know, continue to stay healthy for full seasons. Well, and Dan Aguirre, uh, uh, who was it? Nomad in the chat room said, that's the one thing about Sam Mustafer you can be proud of is that he's always available. <laughs> oh yeah. He's always available. <laughs> well, that's the same thing with Leno that we always said. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> These guys who make mistakes often are always available to play. Maybe they're always <laughs> there to hurt your team. <laughs> <laughs> so what about Larry Borum? I've heard mixed results on, on, you know, I've heard fans say, I love Larry Borum. He's going to be an outstanding right tackle for many years. And I've heard people say, we need to draft the right tackle. What are your thoughts, Caitlin? Um, Hmm. Kind of in the middle with him. Um, pass protection, I I don't know with him. I just, I uh, yeah, I don't. I always I always thought kind of highly of him when he was just thrown in there. I thought he did well his first year, um, but you know nothing really stands out when it comes to him. But I I've seen some moments where it felt like he wasn't um, protecting well. So I don't know. It definitely probably. I feel like every position on the offensive line it could be upgraded. I think it's it's not nobody's really has anything locked down except maybe Braxton. That might be the only one. Yeah, he's been so so surprising. Fifth round draft pick, and he's playing uh, the left tackle position. Of course, not without error, but he's he's with every successful block. He, he's issuing a promise. I'm your guy for the next 15 years at this position, and that's really encouraging to see. I, I, I pray to God that both Borum and Braxton Jones are, are tackles of the future because then that way you can scratch that off that list of all the new players that Ryan Poles has to bring to this team. Wouldn't you say, Dan Aguirre? Well, Braxton, it, it, leading into, like we talked about, leading into Monday night, had given up 20 pressures. So I don't, I mean, again, I'm rooting for him and I like him, but I'm not sold on him yet. And if you told me next year that, you know, just out of sheer competition, that uh, Ryan Poles drafted a left or right tackle in the first couple of rounds, I wouldn't uh, object to it and say, ah, that's a terrible pick. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, if if they end up turning into be studs, like you said, for a decade, then We'll take it, but it, it also competition makes people better, right? So uh, if they drafted another tackle, I wouldn't object to it at all. Yeah, it's interesting about Braxton is that, first of all, I, I'm impressed by his incredible intelligence and his the way he answers questions. He's very uh, uh, self-analytical. He knows where he's d- doing bad things, and he will openly – talk about it and you know and he also has a very constructive approach about how good he can become in this league and he knows that he's got to build some more muscle mass you know most rookies who, when they come into the uh, NFL they're not ready for these power uh, bull rushers and some of uh, you know the skill position players they're not ready for the speed of the game uh and so Watch what's going to happen to Braxton Jones in his second year. And I, I bet when we go to training camp over at Hallisaw and we see him, we're going to see a different body on this guy. And uh, the results are going to show up anytime any, anybody tries to bull rush him. So uh, he's going to get better and better. I, I, that's my. I, f- I feel more confident in uh, Braxton Jones than I do Larry Borum. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and Larry's a good guy. He's, he's a hard worker. He's got a good head on his shoulder, shoulders, and uh, I, I'm wishing Maybe him- Larry Borum is our Kurt Becker. You know, Becker was one of the, the, the great reserves. He was McMahon's roommate a lot. But he was one of the good guys off the bench if somebody if Thayer got hurt or, you know, oh, we can bring in Kurt Becker. It's going to be okay, you know. So, I mean, 
who's to say that he's not our top reserve in a couple of years, but who's to say he's not the starting right tackle? I don't know, but I don't have a, an enormous amount of faith in him. When I watch, it feels like, and maybe Caitlin has a different opinion, but it feels like to me, Mustafer, although I think we probably have the same opinion, it feels like Mustafer and uh, Borum are the weak links out there. Go ahead, Caitlin. You had a thought. I was going to say, yeah, um, definitely Sam Mustafer is like the weakest link. Um, Larry Borum, maybe. Um, uh, even, yeah, probably right tackle could get better. Um, but I don't think Larry Borum is as bad as Sam Mustafer. I agree. Caitlin, you just heard Dan come up with a Kurt Becker reference, which I have not heard since Kurt Becker was playing with the Chicago Bears back in the 1990s. Dan? Late, he was on the Super Bowl team. He was uh, he was basically the guy that replaced Bortz or Thayer whenever they were hurt. He was the swing guard, if you will. Okay. So, um, Caitlin, how well-versed are you on Chicago Bears history? Because if you are, then you and Dan can do the rest of your segment together. <laughs> He's so good at this stuff. Um, it, it depends. Uh, it, it, I guess it just depends on the, the players. I don't, some some lower-tier players I'm not good. I don't have, like, good recollection on. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what year did you start following the Bears? So... Um, probably 2000s is when it really like as a kid it kind of became like a major thing so it, it really the Erlacher era was really when how I got introduced to the Chicago Bears all right Dan tell her about your feelings about Erlacher go you ahead me to say this? yes go ahead destroy her destroy her heart destroy <sighs> her affection for Brian Erlacher <laughs> all right okay no keep in mind he was the rookie of the year in 2000 and I was like this kid can fly mm-hmm. and I bought his jersey midway through the 2000 season. So on paper, I was like, what a great pick. He he and Mike Brown, they're fucking phenomenal, you know? So I started out as a fan as well. Okay. By 03, again, I'm not, I'm not the, the morality police, but this is where things started to to crack by 03. He's got, he's married, you know, but he's got Paris Hilton at the game and flaunting like his wife allegedly didn't even know he was fucking her, but he brought her to the game and ABC's like, Oh, look, there's Paris Hilton. I was like, God, what an asshole to do that to his wife. But that was the first thing. And then uh, a couple of years later, after the Super Bowl loss, it was just like he had all those condescending one-worded answers to the press. They could be like, hey, Brian, how are you feeling today? Oh, go to FoxSports.com. Oh, go ask Jay Glazer. And I was just like, what a dick this guy is. And then by 2008, he had a lady that he had children with because there's like eight of them, I think. Or is that Adrian Peterson? I think they're the same. I don't know. But then, but she was alleging that Erlacher was intentionally doing strange things to his children. Like he was painting the boy's toenails and trying to get him to say things like, oh, that's pretty. And I love pink. And his mom was incensed saying that he was warping the kid's sexuality. And I was like, what a fucker would do that to a small child. And then we trade for Jay Cutler. Thank God we got a quarterback. As soon as the trade happens, Erlacher hurts his wrist in week one, out for the season. Out for the season. A whole season he's sitting there in the back bitching about the Cutler trade. I liked KO. I liked uh, Cutler's throwing bad passes. The day of the trade, he and Bobby Wade were saying, Jay Cutler's a pussy. Anybody that knows Jay Cutler, anyone has to take their blood sugar every other fucking minute on the sidelines knows that man's not a pussy. And he he had a lot to do with the dissension in that locker room that didn't embrace Cutler when he got there. 
And then, you know, I was still rooting for him, but all these things combined, whether it be affairs or alleged child abuse and the stuff with Cutler. And then years later, I don't want to talk about politics, but he and I, our politics are completely opposite. Um, so yeah, I, I just think he's a bad dude. I, and I, I think he was great in 05 and he was great in 06 and he was great in 2000. He was great in 01. But other than that, he was okay. He was just okay. I didn't think he was the first ballot hall of famer. And I think in 01, he needed Ted Washington and Keith trailer to be great. <sighs> My rant's over. Fuck. <laughs> Everyone's going to disagree with me. I get it. I'm the asshole here. Caitlin, uh, go ahead and call him an asshole. <laughs> I would I would say recently, actually, my the my opinion has changed. Just Erlacher. Sometimes, like it's hard for me to separate the person from the player. So if the person I can't agree with, I it's hard for me to root for them as a player. Um, so I totally get recently. I some of the stuff you bring up, I'm like, I did not know this happened. <laughs> this is news to me. It's true. I've I've checked it. Yeah. Yeah. The Chicago <laughs> Sun Times printed that story about the alleged child abuse. I'm not making that up. Wow. And I don't hate him because of his politics. I started disliking somebody put that in the chat room. I started really disliking him with his one word condescending answers all through 07. And then in 08 with the child abuse thing, I thought. God, who does that to a child? And then when he called Cutler a pussy the day of the trade, when everybody else was happy, oh, God, we got a quarterback. And he and that bum Bobby Wade are talking shit. And the whole 9 he's talking shit while he's hurt about Cutler dividing the team. That's when I started not liking Cutler. It's not about his politics. Or not Cutler, I'm sorry, Erlacher. Like, look at Jay. Jay's a Republican. I love Jay. See? it doesn't. You don't have to line up with me politically. I love Cutler, and he and I disagree. So. Yeah, he loves Johnny Santucci too, and they disagree politically. So I, <laughs> I do love John Santucci. <laughs> it's very, very fascinating topic, and and the key word that Dan used throughout his rant there against Erlacher is that these are alleged uh, allegations. These right. the, these are allegations. Nothing has been proven. Nobody has sent him to jail or anything like that. It's just people. And sometimes you know. When, when you're angry at somebody you love or somebody that was a good friend or whatever, sometimes people say things that aren't true. But I believe that. <laughs> anyway, all right, Caitlin, I want to I ask you about this upcoming game against the Dallas Cowboys. The thing that worries me the most is uh, Micah Parsons. This guy is an incredible – he's like uh, Lawrence Taylor – I'm worried a little bit about Justin Fields. I want Justin Fields to run with the ball, but I want him to run away from Parsons because that guy is a beast. What are your overall thoughts about the Bears and Cowboys? So I'm kind of on the same page. Like for me, like Michael Parsons, that's the player you want to like watch at all times, see where he's at. I do worry because he's so elite. Um, he it's not, Even if we put multiple guys on him, I feel like he's one of those guys. He's going to find a way to get to the quarterback. And Justin, I think his issue sometimes is he holds on to the football for too long. Um, he does. He kind of invites hits sometimes. So I'm worried, especially with you know elite defensive player and Micah Parsons, um, how protected and safe Justin can be. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Um, but maybe if they just keep Justin moving outside the pocket, more designed runs, I think that could help. Mm-hmm. So what's your general feeling about the game? Do you think that the Bears 
Well, right now, uh, Vegas has already set the odds. They're giving the Bears 10 points. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take that bet. I I, I bet on the Bears to uh, cover the 8.5. Uh, do you think that the Bears can come within 10 points of the Dallas Cowboys, or will you go even further and say, I think the Bears can outright beat the Cowboys? I think the Cowboys are one of the teams that they can always be upset. Um, I, I don't really fear the Cowboys just based off of history. Um, so I think any given Sunday really for them, like they could be beat, um, especially like Bears fans travel really well. And I think there's going to be a lot of Bears fans there. I'm just, I, that's what I think is going to happen. Cause it generally speaking, like every time I watch them in Dallas, it feels like I see a lot of Bears fans. So it's not going to be like a crazy atmosphere. And I think the Cowboys aren't like people say an accident waiting to happen sometimes. So I feel like I don't really fear them as, you know, maybe on paper they're a good team, but I feel like they can be beat. So I think the bears could possibly beat them. And it wouldn't be a surprise to me. I love that response. It's uh pragmatic. It's level-headed. Uh, you know, it's not the, a fangirl. Uh, well, uh, before she, before you go, let me, I'm sure Caitlin remembers these games sure. uh, most recent history. I recall, uh, Josh McCown lighting them up the night that Ditka got his jersey retired. Remember the Go Bears uh, soundbite? But that was a Chicago. We, uh, we, of course, Sunday's in Dallas, but we won that one uh, about like 45, 28, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Mitch beat them on a Thursday night a couple years yeah. ago in the, the old school 1936 uniforms. Cutler beat him in 2010. He was getting blitzed over and over and over and then hit a quick pass to Greg Olson that turned the whole game around. Uh, Cutler beat them in, in 12 up there with a big pass to Devin Hester, I think. Uh, so it's just like we've gone to Dallas and won. So I, I'm like I'm like she is. I feel like every year the, the, the media wants you to think that Dallas is going to the Super Bowl. You hate Mike McCarthy, Aldo. You think Mike McCarthy is a shitty coach. Uh, God, why, why couldn't we go in there and win? I, I think the Bears could win. I agree. I'm not arguing with anyone you know, uh, on that. I – I do believe that it's quite possible now that this Chicago Bears team can fight for a playoff spot. Part of it has to, and I was not saying that at the beginning of the season, but part of it has to do, I know you were, I applauded you for that at the beginning of the show, and I will continue to do it to the day I die. You were such a believer. But my, my feeling is, is that it's not so much that they have the talent to compete. It's just that this league has become so uh, mediocre. The parity. You know, I saw some people in the chat room talking about their offensive line play throughout the league is pathetic. You know, you you look at a guy like Sam Mustafer. He's trash. Chicago Bears fans consider him trash. But I bet you another team, if he if he was dropped by the Chicago Bears, I bet you another team would pick him up immediately. You look at James Daniels. You know, he's he uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers picked him up, and everybody was jumping up and down. And now that they've seen him play, they were all like, they're not jumping up and down anymore. And I, I, I thought Daniels was a good person to not resign. I'm not trying to like, oh, look at me. I'm right. I know everything. But I did think Daniels was kind of like, well, I don't. I don't. But I did think that he was not worth the money he got in Pittsburgh. And uh, my friend who's a, a it loves the Steelers the way we love the Bears, he's like, God, that guy sucks. He's a terrible pickup. And he, he likes Trubisky okay, too. But he he hates James Daniels. 
Caitlin, it has been great spending 30 minutes with you. Tell people where they can catch your podcast and again, where they can interact with you on social media. So yeah, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Bear Down Girl Pod or at me, you know, at Caitlin Leaner for my personal Twitter account. Um, and every Tuesday, uh, I drop an episode recapping the previous game and then previewing the next game. So I just uploaded and dropped one tonight. So that's there for you to discuss the the game against the Patriots and preview the Cowboys game. So that's already there available for you. Now, do you normally do that by yourself or do you have a, a person that you're interacting with or how, how's your show go? I've generally just done it by myself. Um, never really opened it up. I just kind of have opinions and want to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not being critical. I was just curious yeah. how your format was. Do you generally you go like an hour or you 45 minutes? What, what's your show length normally? Yeah, it's like 45 to an hour. Depends on the game, but that's generally I try to keep it in that area. That's outstanding. I've listened to three or four episodes and she really knows her stuff. Outstanding way she presents it as well. I highly recommend the podcast for everybody. And uh, Caitlin, we'd love to have you back on this show and maybe some of our other shows as well. So I'll keep bugging you on DM and uh, I am not the creepy guy. Dan is the creepy guy. No, no, no. it's Tooch is the creepy guy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Tooch is the one who has done adult films or whatever. That's right. Yeah. Did you know that Caitlin about Tooch? I did not know that. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me show you something here. This is uh, Tooch in uh, one of his movies. I think this was called uh, I'm Behind You All Night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah. then this was another one that he did with the uh, transgender community called Cruising uh, with Tooch. This was I think the last clip was his film. It says, you better shut your fucking mouth or I'm going to fuck it. That was the name of Twitter's last movie. Wow. <laughs> he said that to Green Bay fans, though, so it's okay. That's right. <laughs> nice. And to John Burr. <laughs> and to Don Burr. By the way, uh, Caitlin, do you have any interactions with the Detroit Lion fan named Don Burr? No, I've actually never heard of this person. Okay, well, if, if you ever come across him, just... Kick him in the balls like uh, that quarterback of the Patriots. He comes on here all the time and he talks about how the Lions are, you know, building a, a, a dynasty and they're going to beat the shit out of the Bears. But every time that the Lions lose, we don't see him for, for two or three days. But and then two or three days later, there he is again talking the same shit. And then Today, we expected him to be here in the chat room to talk his shit, but he's nowhere to be found because he saw what we saw, Caitlin, a dynamite football team beating the shit out of the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> I got another question for Caitlin then. Uh, I presume, but I don't know the answer. I hate Green Bay more than anybody. Like that That's the team that just you know gives me nightmares You know, every time we lose to them. Do you have – do you – hate green bay more so than detroit minnesota you know i mean i assume so i kind of don't hate detroit because they lose all the time like us and minnesota i feel bad for because they've lost four super bowls so i just hate green bay what are your thoughts on their other our, our division i guess so i'm definitely on the same page as you i absolutely i have a ranking and green bay i hate the most um lines yeah like you said like they're not a threat to me so i don't really care too much about that like they don't you know i have no hatred towards them um but the packers absolutely cannot stand of course they have a super annoying quarterback there in aaron Rodgers, who is like i don't know how 
he's just hard to even like, even if you were a Packers fan. Um, and then Vikings, Vikings, Kirk Cousins, I find super annoying. Yeah, me too. Um, and overrated. Uh, so you like that? Uh, yeah, Boy, I've hated him <laughs> since that exact moment. <laughs> you know what's funny, Caitlin, is that he hates the Packers. But back in October of 2019, Dan Aguirre said this. I would be willing to suck Aaron Rodgers' dick. I would be willing <laughs> no, hold to on. suck Aaron Rodgers' yeah, dick. But here's the context, Caitlin. I would be the willing context to was, suck Aaron Rodgers' dick. <laughs> the context was if the Bears would win the Super Bowl, I would perform <laughs> fellatio action on Rodgers. I also said I would let the old woman from the Lions shit on my chest. If it meant that the Bears would win the Super Bowl, I don't even know if she's alive anymore. <laughs> no, she's alive. Okay, wow. good. I'm so good. desperate for a, a, a Bears Super Bowl at this point. I'm willing to to do my, um, almost anything to yeah, get the Super Yeah, pretty much anything. Cliff Victoria says Caitlin is ready to run. She's like, <laughs> I'm out of here. Cliff, I'm one of your biggest supporters, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody in the chat chat room just say yes or no. Would you be willing to suck Aaron Rodgers' dick in exchange for a Super Bowl? <laughs> oh my gosh, Nomad said yes. <laughs> oh, not to there. You go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Caitlin, we're gonna let you go. Uh, I'd love it if you came back uh, and spent some more time with us. Thirty minutes is definitely not enough, but we'd love uh, to have you back. And so I'll be in touch with you. Okay. All right, that sounds good to me. All right, that's Caitlin Leonard, as in Wien, no, Leaner, as in Wiener. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and she said that, not us. That's yep. right. That's right. I, <laughs> take care. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. All right, uh, Mr. Dan Aguirre, it is time to welcome in. The Can I say one more thing before you bring in our great friend, Mr. Church? Course. One of the, I said this last night when it only had like a few seconds because you know technology just didn't work for me. One of the things about Fields I was so impressed with last night, all year one of the things he struggled at has just been a basic completion. You know, mm -hmm. okay, you're there, Aldo, three yards out, and let me throw. Oh, the the, the throw goes. He hit St. Brown like four or five times for drive stretching, mm -hmm. easy 10, 11 yard passes however many yards it was, but there had to be at least four first downs that he hit St. Brown on. There were easy passes. Those are the ones he normally has problems with. So again, I think Justin is making more and more progress as the season goes on. Right. Yeah, says the free play for tonight is Equinemius St. Brown over 11.5 yards receiving. Wow, did he really tweet that last night? He did indeed. The well, look at Tooch, man. Tooch is fucking awesome in so many different ways. And before we bring him in, I, I just the response to the question, would you suck Aaron Rodgers dick for an exchange for a Super Bowl? Here we go. Let's get some responses here. Chubbs says no. <laughs> Foster Covers says no. Ron says, hell no. <laughs> Find that drop for us, Tooch. <laughs> Mo Beerman says. Hell no. Can't these people have fun? I, you know how many dicks I've sucked in my no. life? None. None. No. Zero. I've never blown a guy in my entire life. But it's fun <laughs> to say that I would do it if it meant the Bears win the Super Bowl. Okay. That's right. That's right. Come on. Give it up for the team, guys. <laughs> what was it that Aaron Curran said, Tooch? What was that again? Ah, oh, Tooch, you missed it, man. The question God wasn't, no. God, would you let? The hell no. 
<laughs> the, the question wasn't, would you let Roger sodomize you to tears? It was, would you just blow the guy? <laughs> That's right. Casey has the right answer. Yes, but I have teeth and I would bite down. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> well done. All right. Have you noticed that Rogers is looking like Droopy the dog in his fucking helmet now? You know what? There's something going on with both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. The way Brady is that divorce. With with Tom Brady, it's uh, I shouldn't say it's this, like his he, face is sinking in and stuff. Yes. He allegedly after the game was yelling, according to Twitter, at the team, I lost my family for this shit. Are you serious? Yeah, that was what was being tweeted. I don't know if there's any validity to it, but that was supposedly being said in Carolina yesterday or Sunday. Oh, my gosh. All right. Without further ado, uh, let's bring in the man of the moment. He is the host of Weekend Sports Betting Tips, along with Anthony and Sean Higgins. 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 Sean Higgins. And uh, he is my friend. He is Dan Aguirre's friend. We're going to see him November 5th when we all get together at King's. Uh, so let's bring him in now. Johnny Santucci, welcome to the bar room. I'm waiting for him to do something here. Ah, there he is. There I am. If, if, uh, if sports books are going to keep giving me Equinemius St. Brown over 11 and a half yards, I'm going to keep taking it. Fucking A. That was and fucking easy money. Cashed in the first quarter. Watch that go up in the next few yeah. weeks, 40 or Justin 50. Field had Justin Fields over 42 and a half rushing yards, too, on my card mm -hmm. last night. Boom. Well, Easy money. Man, oh, man. Yep, yeah. Bears plus eight and a half. I, I had two it. on my card. I love it, man. Yeah. Give me that every fucking week. Although I don't think Vegas is going to make that mistake anymore. No, no. Justin Fields is going to be about 70 yards rushing next prop. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Watch Which I might go on the under on that, but that uh, was the last week, I think, for us to get rich on that. Exactly. Uh two, yeah. you know, since the Bears won last night about an hour later, I'm thinking about this show and I'm thinking to myself, man, I can't wait to hear what Pooch uh, Tooch's uh, Tooch's oh, uh, uh, uh bear state of affairs is gonna look little like video so. lag or no, I'm good, I think. All right. Oh, you look good, man. I run the uh run the intro. Yeah, I run the All intro, right. brother. There we go. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Bears state of affairs, week six, breaking all the commandments. Week seven, club hydroplane two electric bella choke. <laughs> Is that a little, <laughs> little too much there? Breaking two oh. electric boogaloo reference. <laughs> I like that. I remember okay. breaking two electric boogaloo. Right, I club hydroplane two electric bella choke. <laughs> I cracked myself up. All right. Somebody's got to laugh at these jokes. I know. <laughs> well, Barflies, it's Victory Tuesday. We haven't had one of these since September 24th, 2019, when the Bears beat the Redskins 31-15 to behind three Taylor Gabriel touchdowns in Washington, D.C. Last night's 33-14 victory over the hapless Patriots boosted the Bears' all-time Monday night football record to 37-43. and 43. It was another wet field game for the Bears, mirroring the conditions in their season-opening victory at home versus the 49ers. No one should be surprised that the Bears would be victorious at, in Foxborough, 
where the Bears had previously been winless at Gillette Stadium. After all, you give the Bears a wet field and they will run the ball down your throat, Chris Collinsworth. Speaking of Collinsworth, calling the game last week was, or last Monday was Troy Aikman, arguably as bad as Collinsworth, sucking Patrick Dick throughout the broadcast until the game was out of reach for the Patriots. That's what, that's what Monday Night Football viewers around the world saw. The NFL's best rushing team punishing the Patriots for a total of 243 yards rushing. It was a performance that Bears founder George Hallis would be proud of. In fact, the Bears' defeat of the Patriots kept their coach, Bill Belichick, from passing George Hallis as the NFL's all-time winningest head coach. Imagine if Belichick had passed Pop Bear at the expense of his very own team. Nope. Belichick and House will be tied at 324 victories apiece, at least until Sunday afternoon. The Bears even went easy on Coach Belichick at the end, choosing to take a knee on the Patriots' goal line rather than hang a 40-burger on Coach Belichick. I love that Coach Eberflus did that. It's really a flex disguised as respect. And Coach Belichick remembers shit like that because deep down he's a cheating, petty man-child who would not hesitate to exact revenge somewhere down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget another dirty cheater in this game. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, whose tie cob like spikes out, slide kick to Jaquan Brisker's nutsack, was the dirtiest play I've seen in a long time. Talk about deflated balls. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and it happened right in front of a female ref who didn't throw a flag, probably because she couldn't appreciate the pain Brisker. Brisker got his revenge, though, with a beautiful one-handed interception off Jones. And it's not like we haven't seen Mac Jones do shit like this before. Remember his blatant left-leg-tangling tackle on Panthers defensive lineman Brian Burns last season? <laughs> yeah, he's the dirtiest player since Ndamukong Sue. But it's a victory Tuesday. Let's not forget that, Barflies. The Bears win one game, and now everybody's mood has done a complete 180. Funny how that works. Bears fan Dan is born again, rediscovering his Bears religion. <laughs> Tooch could wear his Dave Wanstead here a polo to work again. Oh, love it. Yeah, love not it. here from all the Vikings fans there. Well, love that. I love that fucking shirt, man, for real. <laughs> well, even the barkeeper's post-game cocktail didn't need to be a double. Yes, <laughs> winning makes everything better. And this yep. time the Bears beat a team because of Justin Fields. Last week, I said that Fields' performance was the grittiest. It sounded like greatest. was the grittiest performance I'd ever seen a Bears quarterback give. I hope the football meal, media and Fields' doubters everywhere give him the credit he deserves this week. The kid definitely shows his grit every week. And credit the coaching staff with breaking out some designed run plays and rollouts for Justin Fields. It's about time, Luke Getze. JF1 had 82 yards rushing and a touchdown. Bears coaches used the extra time after a Thursday night game to prepare a great game plan. The Bears were 11 for 16 on third down, their best mark since 2015. This game, you could really see a lot of things that make Justin Fields special. The speed, the moves, even a fumbled snap could turn into a first down. <laughs> but don't get too complacent, Bears fans. Next Sunday, the Bears head to Texas for a showdown with the Cowboys high noon at the Jerry West Corral. The Jerry, Jones. Offense, the Jerry Jones, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, the offensive line is banged up and a fierce Cowboys pass rush lays in wait. The Bears will need a repeat performance of Monday 
to get by Dak Prescott and the Pokes. That is Bears State of Affairs. Oh, that was good. I enjoyed it. Did you think, Dan Aguirre? Yeah, of course. I enjoyed the Wani shirt more than the actual bit, honestly. That's not a slight at the bit. I just love that era of gear. <laughs> Somebody else, though. Like that I got, you know, I got to Can I just let me just show you something here? I, sure. I put a few, few things in here. Look at this dirty MFR. Bam! Oh my wow, God. What a fucking hell. Now, I, when I was watching that too, Chandan, I said to myself, "Hey, I think he 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 kicked him WTF. in the ball." And so they went to a commercial, oh, and so I rewound. Look at him put spikes up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. I, I nobody said anything in the broadcast. Look, look at him put his spikes up. Yeah. Look at that. I, I Boom, thought it was right the, the abdominal muscle when it was live, <laughs> but then I quickly saw that everyone was saying it was in the balls, and I rewound it, and I was like, "Damn, he really did!" And it looked like he did it deliberately too. Yes, I think yeah, that, you he, know, did, oh, he totally did it deliberately, dude. He sticks his foot right up in the nuts. Let the here he is, the Panthers with the against the Panthers last oh, year. What a bitch this, this guy is. He's done it before. That's Look why he's that. gonna lose his job at, and fucking he sprained bitch. that guy's ankle. Well, and the stories coming out of New England are that the clubhouse prefers Zappy because Mac Jones is a bit of a bitch. And so, you know. <laughs> That's something to consider, but I did not know that he had a history of using his legs on stuff. One yeah, of the, one of the, real quickly, uh, Jerko on ESPN 1000 said that sometimes your cleat will get stuck in the turf, and then in order to kind of you know make sure that you don't strain a ligament, you you kick your leg forward to to stop yourself from getting injured. And he thought that's what Mac Jones did there, but I don't know, man. That looks deliberate. Yeah, I thought so too. Ed, I kind of lost my train of thought when I was going to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not your fault. What were you saying before that? The part about Yurko. Uh, Yurko uh, is a great guy. Right. Before Yurko, we were talking about Mac Jones. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. God, that's one narrative we don't have to hear because if the Bears would have lost and Mac Jones had a good game, they'd have been like, well, the Bears passed on Patrick Mahomes and now they passed on Mac Jones. We'd have had to have heard that every time that fucking Mac Jones's name got brought up. So thankfully, that's not going to be an issue. That's not good. By the way, quarterbacks from Alabama are dicks, according to St. Ami. I, I, like, I like Joe Namath and Ken Stabler. But. Oh, that's right. I forgot Namath went to Alabama. Man. But, you know, I, I was I was looking at some video. Uh, somebody has been posting some really great Bears yesteryear videos on YouTube. I'll try to get the name uh, for everybody next time. And one of the games that he posted was the 30-minute highlight reel of NFL films of the Joe Namath L.A. Rams versus Chicago Bears game. Oh, the Monday night game. Yeah. yeah, that one. And, that was Namath's last action ever. That's right. And he looked terrible. I mean, he looked fucking Did, bad. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this or not, but that season – the Rams played the Vikings in the playoff game. And if you've never seen it, it's worth just starting the game just to see. The field is completely submerged in mud. Oh, it looks really? like something like hogs would run through, like at a farm. Like there's no grass. Everything's brown. As soon as you hit the ground, your whole uniform is covered in brown. So midway through the game, uh, Namath tells a story that Chuck Knox looked over at him as if to say, this is why we brought you here. 
let's put you in uh, in place of Pat Hayden because we need a spark. And Namath said, I knew what he wanted, and I just sat there listless. And and I I, I could have gone in the game. I should have gone in the game, but I was done. Wow. And I knew that's when I had to retire because when he wanted to put me in, I didn't want to go in and I didn't step up. So I knew I had to retire. And you look back at Joe Damos' career, there, he didn't have great numbers. You know, he was more of, of a media creation than anything. Yeah, he was a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, his, his greatest claim to fame was that he predicted the Jets would win the Super Bowl. And in that game, he was like 11 for 25 and passing about 120 yards. You know, it wasn't – they didn't win because of him. They won because of – uh, Emerson Boozer, the running back, and the defensive play, and the fact that Matt the NFL Stout was the one who had the big game, honestly. Thank you, thank you. And you know, it was more of the NFL having the reputation as being the better league over the AFL. Uh, but it's not like Joe Namath did anything great in his career. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, no. He had some he had some games with that knees unable to be able to move and was still throwing for 470 yards in the in the fucking 70s. The dude had a fucking gun. Uh, but yeah, like he couldn't even move by the time he gets to 72, 73. I mean, literally he has, he's a statue and you look up a game in 72 between the Colts and Jets and the Jets are still, uh, the Colts are still bitter over Super Bowl three. They're going to kill him. Right. It's mm-hmm. in Baltimore and Namath throws like six touchdowns on him. Mm. No, United yeah. had a big game that day too, but it was something like 45 to 37. It was a fucking bomb game, man. But okay, so those are individual games. Did he ever have a sustained season where he threw up big numbers? No, right? I mean, I and and this is the AFL. They were known for throwing the football. I just I can look that. that up. I mean, he was he's a Hall of Famer, man, and and the quickest release anyone's ever seen. So yeah. Steven has a question that you might know the answer to that. That Monday night game, was that the game that they filmed the movie Heaven Can Wait? That I don't know. I did see Heaven Can Wait, but I doubt it because wasn't Heaven Can Wait scenes during the daytime? Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'm reading that wrong. Or or he's asking, or was it the Rams? All right, okay, Aldo, you got to hear this. 1967, you would agree that that's not exactly the dawn of the modern passing era, right? That's correct. Joe Namath, 258 completions out of 491 attempts for 4,007 yards and 26 touchdowns in 1967. How many interceptions did he throw? He did throw 28 picks, but, I mean, he's (laughs) slinging the pigskin around. Uh, 1972, he isn't really exactly. Namath. (laughs) Jameis Namath. I'm just saying that he's – but the thing that separates Namath from other than the Super Bowl, even if he doesn't make the guarantee from Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. is that at the time, he's one of a kind. Jameis Winston, and no disrespect to Jameis, he's like one of 50 quarterbacks that can throw for 400 yards and throw six interceptions in a game. Like Joe Namath is uh, a trailblazer for his time and place. That's the thing that makes Joe special. And you combine that with being an 18 and a half point underdog and have the fucking stones to come out and say, I'm tired of hearing all this shit. We're going to win the game. I guarantee it. And then to deliver it. And regardless of what we think, he's a Super Bowl MVP that day. Tooch, I'll let you uh, settle this one. Do you lean more with Dan Aguirre saying that Namath was a special quarterback? Or do you lean more with me and saying, hey, he's a little above average. That's about it. 
think it was good. His career was a little. Uh, kind of go either way on, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't. I, I didn't watch a lot of games because I was uh, one or I wasn't even born in '67, so I oh, wasn't wow. either. But I, you know, going back and watching the dude, the dude was ahead of his time. I mean, to have the cheerleaders yeah. singing that song, well, I agree with that, Danny. That to have the cheerleaders sing that song, Broadway Joe. Come on, Aldo, you got to pull that up if you if you've never heard the Broadway Joe song. Yeah, Broadway. As corny and dated as it is, I fucking love it. Broadway Joe song? Yeah, the cheerleader sung a song for him called uh, uh, No One Else Can Throw a Ball Like Broadway Joe, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes, of course. He can throw a football through a needle's eye. Yeah, here it is. Legend. Yeah, that's enough of that. Jesus Christ, please. <laughs> hey, man, how did I turn this shit off? <laughs> He's a legend, dude. And the dude was making bank on pussy, man. Come on. He was. For that, I admire him. <laughs> and he had a good talk show, too. I don't know. I don't like him as much as you do. And now you start trying to sell me fucking Medicare hey. insurance or shit like that. <laughs> he wanted just a little kiss from Susie Culber. Just a little. <laughs> that's <okay. laughs> What a dog! Don't he we was. all? Hey, uh, uh, Danny, do you remember the last time we won on Monday Night Football? That game against the Redskins with three. Taylor yeah, that's the night touchdowns. that uh, that's the night that I got sore at Shane Marsaw and uh, was a dick about it for a few weeks, and we we sorted out our problems, and and that was that was my fault, but that was the night the game that Shane and I were arguing. It, it was my fault, though. It was my fault. But yeah, I remember the game uh, vividly uh, for that that reason. Where did Aldo go? Oh. This show falls oh. apart without me. <laughs> I gotta go take a piss. You, I'm, you too. I'm next. We're the old no. men now. So someone made that comment right. last uh, week. Uh, These old men, you're constantly going to piss. I'm just my own this time. Tooch, Who's- Tooch's connection is bad. Tooch, go away. <laughs> Get reconnected. Uh-uh. Get reconnected, Tooch. <laughs> I can't believe you don't. You didn't think Namath, man. I got a game, a Monday night game with he and Daryl LaMonica just fucking throwing a ball around in '72. Bring it and with the, you. High, the highlights got you know the whatever Apollo mission was going on that night, and you got Cosell doing the highlights at the half. It's fucking great, man. Oh man, I, I just you know I just think he's a bit overrated. I I, I know uh, enough about. You can't say he wasn't cool though. Oh, he was definitely cool. He deserved Fuck all yeah. that media attention. He was definitely a cool guy. But, you know, I, as a quarterback, he was all right. Tooch, how's your connection now? It's good. I, I I don't know if it was me. I think it might have been you guys or all, the host. Because really? uh, you guys were sounding a little robot But it could have been me. I don't know. It looks like I got yeah. a lot of bars but connection. But 
Yeah, I got, uh, I got a, a lot few, of bars too. I got a few tweets I pulled for you guys. Mm -hmm. Go, go for it. Our buddy EJ. It's mine at it's mine 49. The Justin Fields quarterback quarterback class tour. Those are the ones that Fields has beaten this year. He's, oh, man, I watched. Yeah, I, I watched good. the Jets and Denver game at work the other night after the Green Bay Washington game on the NFL Plus app. Mm -hmm. I I could be wrong, and you might be like, ah, Dan, there you go. We lost to him. Put it's your fault, but that Zach Wilson doesn't impress me at all. <laughs> That's too bad that running back that they had just got hurt, man, because that motherfucker could go. And he had like a 75-yard touchdown yeah. just untouched and hurt, hurt his knee and was is out for the season. But, yeah, uh, Zach Wilson, yeah. I, uh, give, me just, give me I, Justin Fields all day. Zach Wilson was yeah. BYU, wasn't he? Yeah, but, man, he looks like he's no better than Daniel Jones. And I know Daniel, the Giants are 6-1, and one, but mm – -hmm. If you tell me that Daniel uh, Jones is suddenly a pro bowler, I disagree. Sw I Swanky needs to hang out with Zach Wilson, get some milks. <laughs> Where's Swanky at? Is he, I don't is he know. here? I don't know. I'm going to really piss. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, you if go. Swanky, and I gotta go. <laughs> if Swanky wants to pull some milks, he needs to hang out with Zach. Oh, that no. that would be the way to do it. That right. would, although you know, he's coming to Chicago. Swanky is, and so I'm going to give him some right. tips. Little uh, a barkeeper tutelage. Exactly. <laughs> and then here's uh, I know you guys mentioned this one earlier. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so let me give some backstory on this. So I see this, it's about 10 hours before kickoff. You know, <laughs> Bear fans are just giving this guy Packer Bob a mm -hmm. bunch of shit on Twitter, and then he writes, Bears fans have flooded my comments to talk trash. I will take great pleasure in watching them get destroyed by the Patriots tonight. Ha! And so, of <laughs> course, after the Bears beat the shit out of the Patriots, Packer Bob was nowhere to be found on Twitter until <laughs> he reemerged late today and tweeted something like, I forgot what he tweeted, but it was fucking ridiculous. And so uh, I, I love these guys who go who go on uh, Twitter, Packer fans who go on Twitter and try to uh, 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 treat their pain by picking on Bears fans. It's just not going to work anymore, man. We got a new team in town, new coaches, and a franchise quarterback who's going to make Aaron Rodgers look like shit. Toreen says, took Zach Wilson 53 minutes to get 100 yards passing on Sunday. Yes, I know. <laughs> but I got I to gotta tell you, and, and Tuch, I know you follow college football enough uh, and have scouted enough to give an informed answer on this. Are you surprised that these quarterbacks from the 2020 draft no, excuse me, the 2021 draft, the Justin Fields draft, the Trevor Lawrence draft, those guys. Uh, are you surprised that they have been slow coming out of the gate? And of course, the dude is frozen. Not really. I mean, yeah, they're. I, am I frozen? I, I can. I see myself moving. Yeah, you're. You're. There's, uh, there That's was me, a little huh? bit of a delay, but it's working now. Okay, I, I never froze on my end, but. Uh, yeah, not really. I mean, like I said, we were we talked about this last week about how you know, quarter it takes a while for quarterbacks to understand you know what's open in the NFL, you know, and they can't hold the ball as long, they can't uh, do this or that, you know, and 
They, they can't uh, digest the uh, NFL playbooks, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, they might be in a different system or, you know, it's, it's, it's different, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, very, very rarely the quarterbacks just like light it up like Justin Herbert or, you know, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, but yeah, uh, got some, got some other ones here for you. So Go for it. Robert Griffin III is the former yeah. football player. He says the Bears are magically dominating after working their offense around what Justin Fields does well. I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they kind of did a little uh, uh, Jalen Hurts stuff yep. in this yep. last yep. Oh, which was what we were talked about last week. You That's right. Coaching st- – exactly, we did. Coaching staff st- said, okay, so, you know – Justin might not be feeling super good about himself right now. What can we do to really help improve his confidence and help him succeed more? And they went to the obvious answer. You know, this guy is is so athletic. Let's call more pre-designed running plays for him. And so um, I was glad to see that it uh, was overdue. And I understand what they were trying to do. They want to see what he can do from the pocket as a pocket passer and so forth, but they probably could have made this move to have him run more a little earlier. What else you got, Tooch? Tooch is frozen again. And every time I say Tooch is frozen, come on. Click. Adam Hogue. When you get an opportunity to score 40 in Foxborough, you score 40 in Foxborough. Peyton Manning, he didn't like the kneel down at the end. Yeah, I was. I actually uh, watched that, and Manning was upset with the Bears. What do you guys think? Do you think they should have gone for a touchdown there at the end? Uh, Ebner, I mean, he they gave the ball to Ebner well, a couple of times, and he just didn't get in. And you got yeah. that lead. I mean, I'm not against them being classy there. Would I like to have seen a touchdown? Yeah, but I get where Eberflus is coming from. What do you think, Tooch? Well, uh, what's the bigger insult? Like having mercy on Belichick or, you know, driving the stake through his vampire heart? (laughs) I don't know, right? Right. (laughs) There was this good exchange in the press conference today when Matt Eberflus was asked, you know, what what went behind the decision of not trying to score there on that fourth down uh, and, and to get the 40 points. This was him, and there was some some further exchange with the reporters that I included on this. It's a minute long. Take a listen. Yeah, just the game's over. I mean, the game's over. There's, you know, we had we had third down. We you know ran the ball on first down, ran the ball. We just got the interception, right? Ran the ball, first down, second down, third down, and then we just took a knee. It was over at that point. Is it, is it like injury uh, conscious or sportsmanship or just yep. disrespect for the game? Forgive me if you answered this last night, but it looked like a long uh, meeting with uh, Coach Belichick after the game. What did he say to you? Kind of what was that exchange like? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a private conversation, but I could just generalize and say that he was, you know, very complimentary of the way we are doing things and and what we're building here. And that was really what the the whole conversation was, and it was just complimentary of how we're, how we're doing things. Nice to keep him tied with uh, George Hallis so that he didn't break jump over George Hallis against you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a couple comments from the McCaskey family on that, and they were all pleased with that. So, yeah. I love that. McCaskey family coming to him and saying, thank you. <laughs> I like this coach, man. This How is my you? favorite coach in a long time. <laughs> Definitely the, our favorite since Lovey. Oh, yeah. Without a fucking doubt. That's not saying much, doubt. though. 
<laughs> so true. <laughs> well, I just didn't want to discount Lovey because Lovey's so opposite of Ditka. And and in some ways, Wani too. Wani could get fiery. And I love both of those guys. But I also have a special place in my heart for Lovey Smith too. Yeah. You know, and, and the one thing about Lovey, um, if, if I was a, like a communication consultant, again, with the, the Bears, as I sometimes fantasize that I am, I would have advised him to give more interviews to the media so that they could help us see the guy behind the head coach because he was so private. You know, he coached, what, nine seasons with the Bears? Yes, 04 to 12. And it's like we never got to know the guy, you know. He was the guy that came on press conferences and says, uh, Rex is my quarterback, and then you saw him on Sunday leading the Bears to a win, or in some cases a loss. I just wish we could have known him more uh, because he seems by all accounts to be a super guy, but his his private nature uh, kind of allowed uh, kind of kept him at a distance from the fans. What do you guys think about that? I loved him yeah. as soon as he said he wanted to beat Green Bay. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Tooch, what do you think about Lovey? Did, did you do you feel like you got to know him while he was the head coach of the Chicago Bears? A little bit. Yeah. Cool. I mean, like you said, he was kind of a private guy, you know, but uh, I thought uh, Lovey Smith was, you know, one of our best coaches, man. Look at his look back on his record, mm-hmm. you know, Sorry, I mean, is he any more private than Dick Jerron? I don't know anything about Dick Jerron. Yeah. yeah, I know the Lovey's from Big Sandy, or was it Big Sandy, Texas? Is that the town he was mm-hmm. from? Yeah, yeah Big Sandy. So. Yeah. So I knew Lovey, you know, was a coordinator uh, with the Rams. I think he was in Tampa before that. So. Only thing I knew about Jerron before that was that he was on the uh, Mike uh, Holmgren staff in Green Bay, mm-hmm. and w- and he played, you know, in the league at some point too with the Lions. Yeah. But I didn't yep. know much about Dick Jerron. Yeah, he, he came was, uh, he to was, the Bears. He was the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars, right? And he coached the Lions in Buffalo after the Bears. He was, he played with the Lions, right? Yeah, it was a defensive yeah, yeah. back on Lions. Yeah, fucker. <laughs> I, I was one thing I wanted to say, not to keep talking about Joe Namath, but something I really need to say while I was pissing. I thought about it. Here's the big thing about Namath, Aldo. Let me sell you on this for real. Okay. <laughs> He's his win in the Super Bowl legitimized mm-hmm. the Super Bowl as a game. Think about it. Before that, the networks, the reason we can't get a complete game of one or two is because they wiped the games. They mm-hmm. completely recorded over them with soap operas because no one thought the game meant anything. It was as useless as the Pro Bowl is what they thought. So Namath winning that game and the manner that he did, the Colts only lost one game all year, and to come out and, and have that fucking that swag and to say, we're going to win, I guarantee, and to back it up, and not only legitimize the Super Bowl, it legitimized the league, not only the AFL, but the NFL in terms of when the merger hits. It doesn't feel like they brought in a bunch of scrub teams. It feels like they brought in a Super League. And without Namath and, and to a certain degree, Lenny Dawson the next year, that's not possible. True, but he didn't have that much to do with the victory. You know, it's not like he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in that game. His stats were awful. It Ray was- Lewis had five tackles and got Super Bowl 35 MVP. No sacks, no interceptions, no fumble recoveries, just a couple tackles. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that um, 
you mentioned the erasing of all these tapes. That was common practice on all TV uh, studios, TV station stuff. So, so much. After name its game, the Super Bowl meant something. Then they're like, "This motherfucker, you can't record over this." Yeah, that's. And then after that, they they started using the Roman numerals. It wasn't after that that Super Bowl they started using the Roman numerals. And the so, third one was ironically the first one. I thought. Yeah. Because they still called it the World Championship of Football until Super Bowl three. That is right. That is right. And who was it? Lamar Hunt, the owner of the Kansas the City Super Bowl. Team. Yeah, I think it was his daughter that suggested it to to him. Yeah, because uh, she had a toy called the Super Bowl. That no, you could throw uh, a Super Ball. It was right. Super- that's what I was saying. The Super Bowl. Oh, okay. B a l l. The Super Bowl, and he he got the idea for the Super Bowl from the Super Bowl. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, I wanted to play this soundbite uh, from Matt Eberflus. He was asked about the defense has been playing so fucking well in the second half. And, you know, of course, Flus attributed that to the hits philosophy and what they're doing in, in terms of building the stamina within the team. So I want to play this for you guys. Well, the ability to work, okay, in practice, in training camp, you know, all the way leading up to this where we are right now puts you in a position to have that mental and physical stamina to be able to focus in the second half. And that's an important part of what we are building here. And uh, it's, it's, it's always going to be that way, you know. So, but, again, it comes down to execution. Know what to do, know how to do it, and then make sure you're executing in those critical moments. Third down, red zone, um, in the second half of games because that's when it comes – that's what these games come down to. It's so elementary, you know, but yet so many coaches like a Matt Nagy don't adhere to that. You've got to prepare these guys to go four quarters. You've got to instill in them a mentality to hurt people when you're tackling. You've got to instill all these attributes that make winning teams. And it pains me because that was, that's what George Hallis did. I mean, you played the Chicago Bears. You knew you were playing the fucking monsters of the midway, a mean son of a bitching team. And so often we've hired coaches who just don't understand that. I mean, it's a basic football principle. But when it comes to the Chicago Bears, it's amplified because we basically invented that style of football. And so to have Matt Eberflus, a nice-looking guy. He looks like the kind of guy who would not ring my doorbell and say, "Hey, you know, uh, there's been some store damage on your roof. You know, we can, you can, we can take care of it for free." He looks like one of those guys, but he's he's a fucking hardcore football coach. I really like him. Really like him. Yeah, I like him too. And uh, you know, he seems so much better than Matt Nagy already. I know. And I don't want to keep bringing up Matt Nagy, but. And John Fox, toward the end of his career, I mean, he, he, we can't discredit what he did in Carolina. And even as a coordinator at the Giants, he took Denver to the Super Bowl as well. But it just felt like he was kind of out of gas when he was here. Mm-hmm. You know, he, they offered him a big fucking check. He took it because why wouldn't you? But it right. just felt like he was like out of – he just didn't have it anymore. And, you know, and, and, and Tressman's a better coordinator. If he could just focus on – creating uh, offensive schemes and such, he'd be so much better, you know, than having to be the head coach and having to do the press conferences and try to talk to the defense and just let him work on the offense. So yeah, in comparison with these other guys, is what I'm saying. Eberflus seems like a fresher breath air. Wait a minute, a breath of fresh air. He's easily the best coach we've had since uh, Lovey. Although again, you can't discredit the success that Fox had in the league. Yeah. 
All right, I gotta go pee. Can I trust you guys to have a conversation and not turn off, you know, not alienate our audience, not make them turn off our channel? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll be right back, fellas. <laughs> hey, hey Tooch, I, I think we talked about this a couple of years ago. I can't remember for sure when we were doing I Have a Stream. But you remember the Val that show about Keith Raniere? The cult yes, leader the, on HBO? Uh, uh, Nexium or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Season two yeah. just started. It's really good no stuff. Way. All right. Yeah. And like uh, now it's like as all of his, it's, it's basically all the stuff from as soon as season one ended through his trial. And like they even had an interview with Nancy Salzman who pled, pleaded guilty. She was on there talking about it. So it, it's really fascinating. If you like the first season, I highly recommend what's going on right now. Nice. That's on HBO. Yes. An American horror story just came back. Right. With a, yeah. The New York very City. New, yeah. It's, I don't know if you ever saw the old Al Pacino movie called cruising. Yeah. That's the picture that uh, Aldo has of me. Yeah. Okay. In the porn movie. Well, you know, the uh, <laughs> William Freakin from the exorcist directed that. And at the time, oh, wow. all these uh, homosexual groups and I mean, activist groups uh, criticized the film and said that they were making caricature of them and, and basically mocking them and things. And Friedkin's side was like, dude, we just took this out of the fucking paper. This is really mm -hmm. happening. Uh, there's killings at these like S&M leather clubs. And a lot of that's what's going on in 40 some years later in American Horror Story, New York City. It's set in 1981 uh, with yeah. all of those sweat and leather uh, underground clubs. Yeah. The, it's William, good though. William Friedkin, Chicago guy. Although will mm. tell you, yep. yeah, um, yeah. Um, got to know him very early at, when I was a teenager. I saw a documentary that was on WLS TV here, a local station in Chicago, that was directed by William Friedkin, and uh, it was a really hard hitting documentary about experiences in the African American community. Uh, and then, uh, even before that documentary was released theatrically, it gathered so much attention from Hollywood. Uh, movie makers, movie studios, and so forth, that he it launched his Hollywood career. And he went on, of course, to do some amazing things. Which particular movie were you guys talking about? With him? Um, well, I was telling him about the new American Horror Story season 11. Mm -hmm. It's very, the story is very analogous to the William Friedkin Al Pacino movie called Cruising. Yes, I know that movie. Well, I was telling him at the time, if you read on Wikipedia, that homosexual advocate, uh, advocacy groups thought that it was disparaging them and they protested the movie. Oh yeah. Now some 40 some years later, the American horror story season NYC is set in New York, 1981. And it's very similar to cruising, but you wouldn't get that kind of backlash now. But even William Friedkin said the movie cruising was based on stories right out of the newspaper. Yes. He had no, he had no anti-gay agenda that people mm -hmm. were really being killed in these uh, quote unquote gay clubs. So, uh, but the new season of American Horror Story is very reminiscent of Cruising, although they do a really good job so far of character development. No one is being made to to just seem like uh, uh, just this is gay guy one and gay guy two. You're like, you know, they're really doing it with sensitivity. So it's a good show to watch. People yeah, are wondering yeah. if uh, Tooch was in that movie Cruising. Yeah, that's the one, right? That the picture you took from. Oh, that's right. That's right. You were. Oh, so one more question else. about cruising uh -huh. so to both of you all. At the end of it, I never understood. Were they trying to say Pacino was the killer? 
overall? Yes. That's what I got. Yeah. Well. Do you and another thing I thought it was strange halfway through the movie when Al's telling his woman in it that uh going to all these gay clubs was fucking with his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. it, I feel like if I went to a, a bar with a bunch of men over and over and over, I would still prefer women. That's just me, though. Well, I think, you know, people are different. Some people are more susceptible to um, what's it called? Munchausen syndrome, where you start to identify with your captor. And that's uh, sort of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. What's Munchausen yeah. syndrome? Munchausen, someone that wants you, wants you to think you're sick and shit. Like when moms do that, like yeah. to make you dependent on them. And That's things right. like, oh, you can't go outside. You, you're, you'll, you're, you're like Travolta and the boy in the plastic bubble. You'll die. Your immune system's low. Yeah. So I, I, I could see, you know, for some people who, you know, they may have had a, a proclivity or a, um, a interest in homosexual behavior, and so then being in that environment would kind of push them over the edge. But, uh, by the way, what what did Nomad just have up here? He says, "I gotta oh, I gotta get caught up on." I like that season. That was the nineteen eighty four season nine. I thought that season was excellent. Right, yeah, I see. I think I started. I stopped watching just before that. I saw the first two seasons. So uh, after that, I stopped watching. Not because I disliked American Horror Story. It's just there were so many other things to watch, and I've always regretted it because. People have talked highly about subsequent seasons. Although last season, I remember reading that some people thought that yeah, it got kind of a little weird. What do you yeah, think? The last season, you had a guy playing Nixon that was great. You had uh, you had FDR or not FDR. You had Eisenhower. You had a guy playing Kennedy. It was awesome, man. <laughs> you would love the guy to play Nixon because it makes Nixon look bad. Just everything he's like, God damn fuck, like everything he said. Because you're allowed to say all those words on FX now. <laughs> like every other word is just like the goddamn Jews and like everything that Nixon in the Watergate tapes would have said. I'm not trying to be Kanye West here, by the way. Who's got all these <laughs> things to say about you? Did you see where Kanye said that like Adidas Adidas can't even drop me for being anti-Semitic? And that's right, I'm anti-Semitic. And I'm <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah, like Kanye's lost his fucking mind. But yeah. uh, again, I have no reason. I'm not anti-Jew or anything, but Nixon had a, bad, a lot of bad things to say in those Watergate tapes, which is my reference. There you go. All right, we got 10 minutes with uh, Dan Aguirre. Tuch, what do you want to talk with him about? Well, the, what, William Friedkin did The Exorcist, right? Yes, right. he did. Is it, he also do The French Connection? Is that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right, and uh, To Live and Die in L.A., which those two movies Great had, movie. had uh, two of the best car chase scenes i've ever uh, ever committed to film i still think yeah. bullets the best yeah oh, uh, the mcqueen one i think is fucking fabulous yeah but all three of those pretty darn good man all right so i've got a movie uh let's see if i can find the trailer here um yeah i got a movie oops uh let me lower that uh, audio i got a trailer from a uh, William Friedkin movie that not a lot of people know about. It's called Sorcerer. You guys ever heard oh, of it? Oh, I love this one. Yeah, Roy Scheider. Yeah, exactly. I didn't see this. I didn't yeah, see it. It's a great movie. Oh, my goodness. You really, really need to see it. When is it, it from? It's hard, it's hard to find, though. It, it is. It is. What year is it from, just roughly? 1983, uh, I want to say. 77. Oh, 77. Okay. Yeah, I did not see this. Yes, from the yeah, director of man. Exorcist. It really is an outstanding is awesome too yes uh it's and based Tangerine on dream did the soundtrack they did risky uh, business 
They did rich business, yes. And uh, Thief. uh, A uh, That's coming on TMC, uh, Turner Classic Movies soon, that Thief. Oh, cool. I've never watched it. I want to see it. The James Conn movie? You will love it. You will love it. It's really, really well done. And this movie, too, is well done. This is really a a work of art by Bill Freakin. It's called Sorcerer. It's based on a French movie called The Wages of Fear. The storyline is about these guys who have to, through the jungle, I'm not even sure this is the right trailer, but uh, but in any case, um, yeah, it is. Yes, yes. Uh, these these guys have to take a bunch of nitroglycerin, highly explosive material through the jungles of the Amazon, and there's just some exciting scenes. Yeah. Uh, Freaking expanded the story a little bit more from the French film, and uh, has ad- added a little bit more of this stuff that we're seeing. But it's really a fantastic film. I don't know why this movie died at the box office or why some critics really fucking killed it. Um, but this has now be- been reviewed and said, this is this is a fucking classic. This is a masterpiece. This movie was misunderstood when it was first released. It needs to be reevaluated. This is the uh, TNT that they've got to travel through yeah. the jungles. It's fantastic, guys. I really, really recommend you see it. If you uh, haven't seen it since it was released or for a long time, rewatch it because it's fantastic, man. It used to be on cable quite a bit, like Spectrum and on TV. If, okay. you, if, you, if you lived in the Chicago area, you had one of those two mm-hmm. cable services at one point in the 80s, I believe. Spectrum or on TV. I remember Spectrum. Know? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, I forget they used to they used to play this movie quite a bit. I used to enjoy watching it, you know, the mm-hmm. The uh, the the the, tre- the treacherous roads, the trucks with the nitroglycerin and oh, the travel and stuff. I don't, you know, yep. sitting on the edge of my seat. Yep, and I I missed the theatrical run of it, uh, and, but I had read so much about it, I was dying to see it, and so I went to a uh, there's a, a little movie theater. I'm not sure they still run it. It's called Facets Multimedia. It's not yeah, even a yeah. movie theater. It's just like a big hallway with yeah, a bunch facets. of yeah. yeah. They show a lot of 16 millimeter prints of 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 great yeah, film. They, they had a video rental section down in the basement. You could That's go. Right. They had they all did. the obscure foreign movies. You know, you couldn't find anywhere. Yeah, if they're still open, Dan, I should take you there because I know how you like the, to purchase DVDs and stuff like that. They probably would have titles there that you've yeah. been looking for for years. But I saw that uh, sorcerer there in a 16 millimeter print, and I've been dying to watch a a really good like 4K copy of it since. And just watching that trailer now, remember, uh, reminded me that I really wanted to rewatch this movie. It's great stuff. Michael, Michael Diaz, Diaz he's got Spectrum now. Wow. They're still around, huh? I got the uh, dirty movies on there, Michael. Oh, nice. <laughs> By the classics of Skinamax. <laughs> Dan Aguirre, do you have like an obscure film like that, like Sorcerer, that uh, that you like to talk about and bring up to people when we're talking movies? Hmm, like something that I love that no one else has seen, you mean? Yeah, you know, kind of a, a movie that's not well known. God, I'd have to think. Um, but. What comes to my head immediately, you all have seen, like uh, the Christian Slater uh, True Romance. Yeah, that's great. Had James Gandolfini in it before he was yeah. Tony Soprano, you know, Val Kilmer, Brad Pitt, 
Samuel L. Jackson. Right. I mean, it's just got this monster cast. Val Kilmer was like Elvis in that one, I think. Yeah, right? like a lot of people right. haven't seen that. I've shown the movie Heathers to countless Another people that classic. had never seen Heathers. Uh, same thing with Natural Born Killers, a lot of like, which you told us you were an extra on. Christian Slater peaked all too soon. He had some great. He was in The Name of the Rose as a young uh, novice uh, monk. Did you ever see yeah. The Name of the Rose with uh, Sean Con Yeah, you have to see it. It's great. Oh, the, Aldo, I saw a novel. movie. I saw a movie you should watch on Turner Classic that's on there right now that I really dug. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact title. It's something like the little girl who lives, blah, 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 blah. And it's Jodie Foster yeah. after Taxi Driver. Yeah. The little and girl Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is just trying to fuck her the whole movie, even though she's 13. Yeah, you know the movie that. I'm talking about? Yeah. I recently, yes. Yeah, I yeah, thought the movie recently. was. Yeah, I dug it. I liked it. Did you all like yeah. it? I, I thought it's it was been a mess. long time since I've seen it, but. I, I mean, you couldn't make that movie today. Like everyone no. would shit their pants about a grown man just actively trying to blackmail a 13-year-old into fucking him. <laughs> like, after uh, Jodie Foster did those Disney movies, she did some, you know, pretty crazy, you know, sort of adult-themed Taxi Driver and Little Girl. I was going to say that and, and that one and Taxi Driver because yeah. obviously it wouldn't have been her. They show like side boob. And and her ass in it, but that's obviously a, a switch. It's a double right Probably, there. Probably, yeah. Because she's a child still. You can't do that. And not to mention the girl they show the side boob of has got like a 34B, and she had nothing yet when they show her from the front. But do you think this is one of the movies that John Hinckley Jr. was like, God damn, Jodie Foster, I'm going to beat my cock to that and shoot that Reagan guy. That's right. It, Taxi Driver is the movie that gets credited for that dubious distinction. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, did you guys ever see Hard Candy like Handsome Duke just uh, posted on, on the chat room? I did not. I, it, what, I, I, it, I might have. I, the name sounds familiar. It's uh, the, is that the, with, uh, Patrick Wilson. Is that John Candy's porn? No, <laughs> it's with the woman who just had the sex change operation, who was in, uh, who was the lead in Juno and so forth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking. I can't think yeah. of her name or his name. Ellen Page was Ellen her name. Page was her name correct? And so she, yeah. in this movie, she plays a under eighteen right. year old girl who is being, you know, sexually pursued. She by kidnaps the guy or whatever, right? He fucks this guy up. That, that's guy. the dude from Moonfall. Okay, isn't it? Yeah, same, same guy. I think you're right. Excellent movie, by the way. And then I think I mentioned this before. Maybe uh, Dan, you actually saw it. Um, it is. Uh, it had two titles, uh, Perdita Durango, but was released here in the United States as Dance with the Devil. Uh, Rosie Perez is in it. Uh, uh, the guy from The Sopranos, Gandolfini is in it, Javier Bardem. Yeah, you sent me it. that one. Yeah, did you see it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. I, I love this movie. Yeah, I liked it too. This is part of the reason why, because Rosie Perez is, shows her butt in the movie. Yeah, I but, love Rosie. Uh, that yeah. Javier Bardem guy is just fucking cool, man. Yeah, he is cool, and he's super cool in yeah. this movie. Isn't he, uh, uh, Dan Aguayo? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I liked, I loved him in No Country for Old Men too. But yeah, it's great. That that dude just comes across as having charisma just oh, yeah. by looking at him. You know, that's indeed. So uh, it, this plot is like almost impossible to explain, and so it's it turned off some of the critics because it's a convoluted story. But if you enjoy movies with just like weird fucking shit going on and lots of sex and killing and stuff this might be the movie for you because <laughs> that was pretty good man yeah it's very well done and, and the great chemistry with rosie perez and javier bardam who play criminals oh i saw, just saw some breasts there so, pretty good stuff that tucci's attention was uh yeah good. a little flash there <laughs> I love it. Dude, you got a movie like that that's obscure that maybe I um... was telling Dan he needs to see Blood and Concrete with Billy Zane and Jennifer. No, Beals. I watched oh. that one. I watched Did that on it? like I watched it on Tubi or something at work. Okay, you found uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it was on something free. It's like true romance-ish, you know. Yeah, I mean it was okay. Don't get me wrong. I didn't love it, but I liked it. You're right. Yeah. It, it is something that I would like. Uh I can't remember who else was in it with Billy Zane. Like the he was yeah. the lead. What's uh, that kid's name? Uh, Pellegrino, Mark Pellegrino. Well, but the, the lady, who was the lady? In uh, Jennifer Beals. Yeah, yeah, I love Jennifer Flash Beals. Dance. Yep. Yeah, Very you know she was in a movie one. that uh, for some reason that I liked it. I know it was really awful with Sting, called The Bride. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah like I don't like staying at all, but I, I kind of dug that one for some reason. Yeah. They have a, a like, she comes, even though it was PG-13, Jennifer Beals is walking into a room without her panties on, and you see mm. some bush. Mm. So I kind of, again, I've always yeah. thought Jennifer Beals was just fucking incredible. She is oh, hot yeah. as hell, man. Flash yeah, she's so great. beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Just I'm fucking like amazing. Um. Dan, how much time you got left? I should go, honestly. Uh, but the, as I go, I, I'll recommend to you all the Netflix series where Evan Peters is playing Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes, right. I had I had my uh, Jeffrey Dahmer story last week. You missed Dan. Yeah, oh. If you uh, rewind uh, last week's show, you'll hear Dan and I, or Aldo and I talking about how we were uh, had encounters with serial killers. Yeah, me, John Wayne Gacy, and Tooch with just about every other serial killer. That <laughs> was just Dahmer, yeah. I went you to met, school wait, in Milwaukee. So. so you met Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, I mean, I didn't know who he was. It was just some weird guy that, you know, looked you know looked like him. And people, uh, he got kicked out of one of our parties with the, the dudes I used to hang out with at this house in Milwaukee, around where Dahmer lived, west side Milwaukee, west of the university. And uh, uh, came to the uh, party, keg party, was cruising, and our the guys there thought he was too weird for the party and and escorted him out. So, wow! Damn, so you could have been he could have eaten your heart. <laughs> if he'd have known you were in cruising, you would have been a dead man. <laughs> yeah, if I if I needed money, and I might have done some uh, uh, photos, pol Polaroid photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have those would would be selling today. Yeah, good thing I worked construction over the summers in between in between semesters. Yeah, <laughs> just like this picture. <laughs> um, Jesus, I forgot what I was just going to say, but it had. Oh, I, I remember. I, I told you, uh, Dan, that I have not seen Dahmer, but that I thought Evan Peters was would be perfect casting for that lead role. Yeah, he's, gotta yeah, he's he's solid as in. I didn't realize because I remember all the Dahmer stuff when I, I was like 10, 11, 12, whatever, and all this is breaking, but I didn't realize he had all these ticks, like where he just said, um, and 
mm, and just all these like just uh he said everything he said apparently he always had one of those things and evan peters does that really well mm-hmm. you know just trying to to grasp like his ticks mm-hmm. and i don't know i don't know if this is a spoiler or not if it is i apologize i didn't know that he had just like you know turn himself over to god or whatever they do like the baptism right mm-hmm. before he's murdered i mean that that was actually somewhat saddening to me that yeah. he felt his whole life he wasn't worthy of god and he accepts god and then the guy murders him what you you mean are you going to feel sorry for the murder of course not but it's still i mean it, it, in a complex story it's something worth considering the irony yeah there's some tragedy there for sure no shit and he just admitted, like uh, at least the way it's presented in the doc on uh, the show, he's like, "No, I deserve death. Like I did these terrible things, and, and I'm responsible." The movie, <laughs> renewable. Uh, well, versus like you know, you mentioned John Wayne Gacy, somebody like that who defiantly just would deny like all of his crimes. You know. Yeah, I could picture Dan Aguirre enjoying a movie like Blue Velvet a lot. Oh. I didn't like Blue Velvet. No, really? I, like, I like I like Colin McLaughlin. Wild, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart was okay. I maybe I should watch Blue Velvet again, but I just didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah. I like Lost Highway, even though I was like, "What the fuck's happening?" <laughs> but yeah, Blue Velvet again. Despite liking Kyle McLaughlin, I couldn't get into that film. I don't know. I love that movie. I love Dennis Hopper with a <laughs> yeah Frank Booth. I gotta fuck you, yes. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. I don't know why, man. But I gotta go to work, unfortunately, gentlemen. All right, I'm man. sorry about that. But it's been my pleasure again, and I'm sorry that it couldn't be on last night. Last yeah. night? Oh, don't worry about that. You, you were great in the limited appearance that you yeah. had on your football last night. And let's get back to 500 Sunday. All right, brother. Take care, man. All right. All right. That is Dan Aguirre going to his job at 911, where he saves lives every night and stops people from killing each other uh, by keeping them on the line. Can't imagine until that job. Cops can get there and beat that. the shit out of them. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I had to turn off my green screen because I think it was some video lag there, you know. Ah, the green screen sometimes yeah. does that to the processor. Yep. Yeah, you're you're yeah, good right. now, man. By the way, uh, you... Uh, by all accounts, had a really good weekend in the uh, sports betting business, huh? It was okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Sunday NFL seven four and one, which mm-hmm. NFL has been so freaking tough this year. Man. I know because everybody yeah. has got a fucked up team. <laughs> yeah, I mean NFL. It's it's just a weird year, you know. It's just, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, and yesterday I had the bear. You know, I had that that prop was like one of the easiest bets I ever made was the equanimous and then Justin Fields over rushing. It's like 42 and a half. He's probably going to get 70. That's what I said. Yeah. I was like, put, take my money. I'm, you know, so, but well, yeah, I'll tell was you, like, that was one of the more encouraging things that I saw in this game is that it appears like they're going to get EQ more involved in this passing game. And yeah. I'm thrilled by that because we hear all these stories. This guy knows yeah. the system. He's from Green Bay. He runs precise routes. Justin Fields knows where he's going to be. So why the fuck hasn't it happened? So yesterday we finally saw it. You uh, were smart enough to bet on it. Congratulations yeah. on that. It's funny because as I was like, he really only needs one catch. You know, it was over 11 and a half yards. Exactly. And then uh, his first catch was 11 yards. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> shit, I need a fucking half yard more. I'm like, if he only gets one catch, I'm going to be fucking pissed off. But, <laughs> you know, he got like two more and he was like, like 39 yards. I was like, all right, easy, easy money. Tonight I got Devin Booker, my free play, over two and a half 
three-point shots. He's got two right now. We're halfway through the oh, third period. So that's an easy bet, man. I think so. We'll too. see. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. He needs one more for it to cash. So that but, is uh, heartbreaking, though, when you when you make a bet like that and it's early. Oh wow! All I need is one more, one more field yep. goal, one more yard. Uh, Getting down fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Here we go. One minute left. He doesn't have it. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's like when Mark Brett says you crawl up in a fetal position and start <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, I, I was I was dying to, to get your take on the finale of House of the Dragon, which had one of the sca- uh, scariest scenes. You haven't have seen not, it yet. I have not. Oh seen my god! It. Yeah, because the the Monday night game and on right. Sunday night I was busy and stuff. So my wife yep. and I are going to watch it tomorrow. Hopefully, had a truly terrifying scene. Did it in it? Yeah. I don't want to tell you anymore, but I was just like, kind of like, damn, that's pretty fucking scary. You'll see. Thumbs up for that finale or. Yeah, it was great. I was like, you know, you and I were talking about how usually the second to last Mm -hmm. is awesome. This one was pretty fucking awesome too, man. The finale was good too. Oh, good to hear. Very good, man. Can't wait. I got to tell you, I'm really, really pleasantly surprised that this sequel, prequel, whatever you want to call it, to Game of Thrones is every bit as good as the original. They've done a fantastic job. And these are new showrunners. You know, Mm -hmm. these are this is a whole new crew. And, and and I'm glad they didn't bring back the old crew because that final season was was below expectations. And the word yeah. is that those guys were already working on other projects uh, uh, working on that final season. Benioff and Weiss were the showrunners for the first uh, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. uh, show. But uh, they uh, they kind of – those guys left. You know, they kind of elevated Miguel Sapochnik, who was – Okay. You know, one of the directors of a lot of the best episodes, including that one where, you know, that one episode where Jon Snow is like standing in that field. There's ah. a bunch of horses coming at him. Fuck that was off. that was Miguel Sapochnik, you know, one of his fa- famous, uh, famous. Uh, he did that battle, the battle for Winterfell. That was his episode. Oh, beautiful great, episode. Great episode. Yep. Sensational cinematography. Yep. Or in a lot of those cases, it's now CG. So him and another guy took over that Benioff and Weiss role. But I got to tell you, I think. Um, House of the Dragon, uh, I mean, while, there, while there's certain, like, really cool stuff in the first show, like, pound for pound, this is a better show, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's it's tighter, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it has a little better focus, you mm-hmm. know, but, uh, yeah, man, there's some there's some MILFs in this one, man, R- Rainice, I think he's talking about, the lady oh, yeah. Driftmark, drift yeah, and then, uh, you know, Millie Alcott. Millie Alcox was the actor, I think, was the one oh, that you yeah. and I were just like, she's just so cute. She's, yeah, de- she's being... deadly cute. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, you know, and she is 21. So those right. of you people who think I'm a degenerate for talking about a girl, a woman who is playing a 14-year-old in the in the show. Um, so um, anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. I, yeah. I am a degenerate. Let's put, <laughs> let's be straight about this that. This is what I'm talking about, though. This is why I kind of like it's 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 tighter. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's not as many characters. And I mean, you may like that. You may not like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. for as far as like uh, pound for pound, though, you know, this is has uh, uh, it really packs a punch. Yep. I agree. You know? It's every bit as good as the original. Some people will say it's better or worse, but I, I there, think it's safe. there's one scene in this finale. I'm telling you, you'll just be like, you know, jaw, jaw dropping of mm-hmm. a finale. Well, and I got to tell you the uh, the this this. Closing scene in the 
the last episode, yeah. the death of That's the great. king was was jaw dropping, and yeah. and and just so beautifully filmed. And he ad libbed that final line, uh, and the producers said that's a perfect line that he had lived and they they kept yeah, it in yeah. so some great filmmaking there by uh the people who do that show there's and, some, and i gotta tell you there's HBO one is, awesome line in this in the finale by matt smith can you plays, reveal it uh, damon yeah uh the uh you know how like the the, the high towers made their move mm -hmm. you know otto and allison to like steal the crown of success steal the succession and put Put mm -hmm. uh, uh, Viserys the king's little uh, so his first or his his oldest son, mm -hmm. you know that he had with Alicent, uh, who's kind of a drunk, you know, uh, playboy, and uh, uh, you know he comes to uh, Dragonstone to, to talk to Rhaenyra and says, "Hey, look, uh, we want you to bend the knee to, you know, Aegon." And, mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, we'll, uh, you know, your, your one son could be his cupbearer. The other one could be a squire, you know, at Matt Smith's like, I'd, I'd, I'd rather feed my kids to my dragon rather than, uh, my, <laughs> my sons be, a uh, a servant of your drunken cunt of a son. Oh, like that. that line got even better. <laughs> Fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's killer. I had to rewind that one. <laughs> it's a damn, like, damn good show. Delivered, I, I delivered flawlessly. <laughs> I watched the movie called X, a horror movie. Right. Have you yeah. heard of it? Did we talk? Yeah, about yeah, it? we talked about it last week. Oh, I want to okay. see it. I haven't seen it yet, though. But right. uh, I did see another movie. I don't, I don't, I don't know the name of it, but it has Joel Edgerton and uh, Sean Harris in it. Yeah, it's really. Did do you know that one? I'm pretty sure there's there's something like, out with Joe Edgerton that I've wanted to watch now. It's been out for about a year or so, hasn't it? I, I don't know. I think I thought it was 2022, but it could be. Uh, let me see Let's if see I can right find it. Joe it, Edgerton um, is it IMDb. Takes place in uh, Australia, and which uh, is where he's from, isn't? Is, isn't yeah, he he's from? from and and Sean Harris is British. Uh, is it 13 is, lives. It's or Master called, it's, it's called the Stranger. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, oh, he's Ed, Edgerton plays a uh, uh, undercover police officer who his assignment is to get close to a person who they believe is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. You know, who abducted this uh, child and murdered him and disposed of the body and stuff. That's it. And mm -hmm. man, it's it's very haunting because it's very. I mean, like the performances are fucking killer. Like Sean Harris is great. He's like this disaffected, like weirdo who, you know, has been in and out of prison and stuff. And he may or not may or may not be this killer that they're looking for and stuff. And it, it's slowly it's driving both people nuts. You know, Joel Edgerton he can't take it. You know, and there's other uh, undercover police officers. They set up this like crime ring and they bring Sean Harris into it. To sort of yeah, it's an Australian movie, Stephen. Yeah, they uh, uh, try to you know rope him. That's it's total entrapment. I don't know what's legal. <laughs> it wouldn't fly in the U.S., but uh, still, it was. It's really good, man. I, it stuck with me for a little while afterwards. But it's oh, cool. so well acted, man. Both guys, you know, uh, uh, Sean Harris was fantastic. He is a good crazy actor. Uh, Saint Omni. Yeah, he, he's got that gravelly, scratchy voice. I don't know if you know the actor I'm talking about. Yes, uh, I do. Yes, I do. Excellent actor. Yeah. Man, but, uh, Joe Edgerton has been busy. He's got one, yeah. two, three, 
four projects, two, uh, 2022 projects. It's, I, I know you and, you and your wife like those police procedural movies. Oh, right? yeah. So that's why that's why I mention it because it it is a police procedural movie and it just all right good it has some uh, like excellent performances man mm-hmm. yeah I, I oh, think we have to wait Amazon to twenty twenty four Amazon Prime for, uh, a second season of House of Dragons yeah so uh, sad I was like you know what it's like that when when this last episode ended and I, like I'm telling you it had one fucking amazing scary terrifying better than halloween scene of uh uh sheer terror um i was just like damn i wish they had fucking filmed the whole thing just give us like 30 fucking episodes you know it's like (laughs) come on man i don't want it to end but yeah it was great Mm -hmm. yep wow you gotta wait till 2024 says bird dog oh yeah 2024 yep So uh, getting back to the great game of football and the Dallas yeah. Cowboys, I know yep. it's still too early to chart that game, but what are your early thoughts on that and um, and the 10 points that the Bears are getting? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think the Cowboys should be favored by 10 points. I'll tell you that right now. Give me, is that what it is right now? Give me the Bears plus 10. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, look, uh, last, last show – Aldo and Tooch were uh, we were selling off the team fire sale, you know. It's like, we were. right? We were like, yeah. what can we get for fucking uh, uh, Quinn and Roquan and, and, and Eddie Jackson, <laughs> fucking, you know? But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing what a win did. But I mean, look, where was this team before this? Before this game, where were they? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they had a little extra time to prepare. And you know, of course, we talked about how. Um, the collective bargaining agreement is sort of watered down uh, the NFL season, you know, and a lot of times I mean, that's a lot of the reason why it's been hard to gamble on. I mean, it's like so watered down. I mean, it's like the, the, uh, the Falcons who'd covered the spread in every game this year, they get blown out in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, uh, the, the Patriots who'd been, you know, uh, surging, they get blown out at home, you know, it's like, what the hell? So it's a really hard, uh, Really hard football season to handicap is you know if you're so I, I I haven't really been betting on a lot of games. I have to really like I said, I have to really like a game now to bet it. Well, you know? it's the smart way to bet. It really is. Yeah. I mean you, like you I know. love that Equinemius play last night, man. I was just yeah, like, give me that I'll ha- hammer that one and uh and the Justin Fields over rushing. That was uh mm-hmm. was uh, uh my uh my favorite two bets. Yeah, I was listening a little to ASPN 1000 and uh, Randy Merkin uh, was talking about how he bet on both Chicago teams to beat the Boston teams last yeah. night. The Bears to beat the Patriots and the Bulls to beat the Celtics. And you bet $10, you would have won 100 and he did. 160 he, bucks. Yeah, yeah, 160 Was it 160 yeah, Wow. Yeah, because Steven Zim Zimmerman. He had the same. He had Did that he? parlay. Yep, money line oh. parlay. Bears and Bears and Bulls. Zim, good yep. choice. He, he, he texted me right after the Bears won. Man, nice going, Zim. Yep, very good. Got yep, some more money for the kid. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, why not take a flyer on it? You know what he got to lose. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah, yeah. And then I, I watched the peripheral too, Aldo. On how Amazon is that? Prime. I, I really mm-hmm. liked it, man. It's got some. It's got uh, one scene that I, I almost had to turn away because it's very uh, gruesome, mm. you know. But uh, uh, it, it's like you know a, a virtual reality 
uh, science fiction. You know, I it's love got, that uh, young actress. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be called a, a, a Chloe perfect. Grace Moretz. <laughs> she is a phenomenal she, actress. She is. She's Start, so cute too. The, yeah, I started following her in that. What was the name of that? Uh, uh, she was uh, in action. Kick Ass. Kick Ass. She yeah, was in excellent in that. I saw her then, and I said, "She's going to be a star." This kid is really, really good. And then she did a a remake of a European vampire movie. Mm. Uh, don't let them in. Yeah, or let the right one in. Let the right one in. There you yeah. go. Which is now a TV series. Oh wow! Excellent. Yeah. Um, and she was phenomenal. And uh, let them let the right one in. And everything that I've seen her in has been has been good. She's she's a great great young actress. And I I'm uh, I'm definitely going to watch the peripheral just basically because of her. But you 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 like it. it's getting great ratings by the way. Uh, for the peripheral, yeah, it was. Uh, I enjoyed it, man. It's it's got some uh, really cool ideas in it based on the William Gibson novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's the guy that wrote Neuromancer, you know, which was a pretty groundbreaking. Coined oh, yeah. the term cyberpunk. Oh, you know, I didn't know the, that. The, the, the term like that the, he coined. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, the storyline on it, according to IMDb, is stuck in a small Appalachian town. A young woman's only escape from the daily grind is playing advanced video games. See, she is such a good player that a company sends her to a new video game system to test, but it has a yeah. surprise in store. It unlocks all of her dreams of finding a purpose, romance, and glamour in what seems like a game, but it also puts her family in a real life danger. Sounds yeah, good. I don't know if that's accurate, though. I mean, because uh, hmm. uh, I mean, the way I, the way I understood the show from watching the first two episodes was that uh, wearing the virtual reality device uh, in the past puts your brain in the body of a robot, you know, cloaked in human skin and stuff in the future. So like where she is in the 2030, 2032, 2033, she's controlling a body in 2099 or, or an Android or something, which mm-hmm. is fucking intense, man. They have all these oh. fucking wild weapons, like a sonic gun that like, you know, nauseates your organs. <laughs> fucking killer, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it was pretty good, man. There's some cool scenes and stuff. And, you know, it wasn't really her playing the video game. Her brother like orders it to get money he's like gonna test it you know instead he like tries it on her lets her try it first you know and she gets roped into it you know pretty soon the company uh is hunting her from the future in the past you know it's like wild so it's 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 a little bit i mean i had to watch a few parts twice just because it's kind of oh is that uh, right well it sounds uh, like something my wife will like too because she likes science fiction a lot so it's like westworld you know where you kind of have to watch stuff twice you know it's by the people who did westworld so oh is that right okay that's a little uh you know lofty but somebody asked earlier in the chat room is westworld good oh leo the factor is Westworld good? Haven't seen it. What would you say to that? Uh, how I would, would you say the uh, the first two seasons are fucking brilliant, man. It's exactly. fucking incredible, dude. It's so cool. Third uh, third season was pretty good, too. Then kind of fourth season, I think it went off the rails a little bit. But yeah, and I haven't watched the fifth season or fourth season, whatever. The third, the fourth, or fifth season, whatever the whatever the latest season is, I didn't get 
Yeah, into. I think it's four seasons, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. After the first couple of seasons, I've had enough. <laughs> too, yeah. many, too many other great things to uh, to watch. Uh, St. Omni said, fuck this, after three episodes. <laughs> so I'm surprised St. Omni didn't like season one. I thought season one was excellent. Yeah, um, I think I watched, you know, I watched the first episode a couple times. I couldn't get into it. And then I finally, I think Dan Aguirre was like, you got to kind of try it again, man. And, you know. Mm-hmm. I watched yeah, it. Yeah, got new for uh, Cliff Victoria, one of your favorite shows in the barroom, Cliff. Science Fiction is now moving to Thursdays at 9 p.m. Central. That's going to be their permanent home. They'll occasionally do a show on Wednesday, but uh, their permanent home now is uh, Thursdays, 9 p.m. Central. It's Salim Sudarala and Carl Ames talking about science fiction movies, a lot of Marvel stuff. Uh, but they, they covered pretty much any new news in the science fiction world. So, uh, join Cliff if you're a science fiction fan, fan. Join Cliff in the chat room. He's almost always there. Mm, wow, I'm still watching uh, Shantaram again with Charlie Hunnam. Oh, it's it's like one of those where it drops every week too, which is kind of like okay. you can't you can't binge it. Yeah, so it's serialized. But uh, uh, the last episode is fucking killer, man. I I highly recommend this last. I think it was episode three or four, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a character who's kind I don't know if he's a crime boss or but he he has a very philosophical you know metaphysical uh view of the world mm-hmm. you know and he and Charlie Hunnam get into they both have kind of metaphysical but coming from you know uh, a sort of a westerner even though he's Australian western viewpoint and then the Indian like eastern viewpoint and mm-hmm. uh the crime boss takes him to see uh, uh bezel singers which I don't know if you do you know bezel singers B-H-E-Z-A-L. I'll mm-hmm. flash it up here. But if you have, they're Indian singers and they do that, oh, oh, oh you know, this dude was singing like jazz bezel, and mm-hmm. it was so fucking beautiful. And you know, there's like the a great uh score behind him and a sitar player, and uh uh the melodies were so good, man. And uh it made the actor, you know, cry. I think it was the character whatever cry it was he was you know the guy was like well what'd you think he was like it was fucking amazing you know hmm. and my wife and i were like i gotta agree man fucking singer was fucking awesome you know but <laughs> if you see it you know uh you'll know what the scene i'm talking about he takes them to you know they're drinking uh tea and smoking a hookah you know mm-hmm. and listening to the music and man it was killer that, yeah uh, yeah check that did out I, did i flash it up there it's yes, yes. all singers yep yeah, and uh, who is it? Stephen Mee says uh, he recommends Anya Taylor Joy mm. and Ralph Fiennes in the oh, new okay. movie. The I movie. love her, man. She's really pretty. Anything that she's in, yeah. I don't see. Last night in Soho, with uh, I think the last thing that I saw her in, but like I want Queen's to, Gambit, man. Yeah, you, I desperately want to see that. That was fucking awesome, dude. You I have to I see it. it. Like I said, I think I talked about it here. It's like a sports movie. You know, yeah. she's competing in a man's, you know, sport. It's chess, not really sports. Right, like, right. Man, it's so fucking good, man. If you get, I gotta see that. I'm dying to see yeah. that. Barroom, barroom, uh, folks, man, check out Queen's Gambit. I mean, it, it is a sports movie. It's just about chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> says he wants to see Tooch oil up that body. Gonzo, Gonzo, we can make that happen. Just uh, send us a check for twenty four. Gonzo's down along the border, I think. Right, California. That's right. He's working he, for so the he, art. he will not be at Kings, huh? No, gosh, Chris. Fly in, fly in. 
Dick Long says, what about the last dance part two with DeRozan tormenting Patrick Williams into playing winning <laughs> basketball? Oh, I get it. <laughs> nice, nice job. Nice. Richard. <laughs> All right, it is time to pull the trigger, yeah. uh, pull the plug on this episode of right. Dan the, 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 I wanted to ask you, though, before we go, uh, the Bears played, you know, excellent in all three phases last game. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a good game plan. Of course, they had, a, like I said, they had a couple extra days to prepare. Uh, defensive game plan was great. Uh, offensive, they, you know, they, like I said, they got Justin out of the pocket. They had some designed runs. You know, um, they outcoached the master. Uh, but uh, the next game against the Cowboys, uh, do you think uh, we, the Bears have to play another flawless game in order to win? Yeah, you know, um, we always say you got to play a flawless game, but there can be some imperfections. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are not a great football no, team. Part of the not problem. on offense. Not on offense. That's right. And part of the problem is Mike McCarthy. He is far from being a great head coach. He's one of those handful of head coaches who's won a Super Bowl, but it, not because of him. Or if it was because of him, the game has passed him up very quickly. He hasn't made the adjustments necessary to keep up with the game. I'm not a big believer in Mike McCarthy. And so we saw Matt Eberflus outcoach Bill Belichick. Why can't he outcoach Mike McCarthy of all people? Yeah, it shouldn't be as hard. It shouldn't. Right? It shouldn't be as hard. <laughs> so I'm I'm dying. I can't wait to see this game. You know, it, it was funny what putting together those clips from the national media, Tuge. So many of these people are in the national media saying, I can't wait till Sunday. I can't wait to see this Bears Cowboys game. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, they didn't say that a week ago. Just no. like you and I were, were selling the store with this team. Uh, things have changed quickly. And I, I want to, next week, we should uh, talk about this longer, me, me, you, and Dan. There is a, a thing with us fans, you know, about instant gratification. And so if they lose one week, they suck the fucking, you know, fuck, fire everybody and so forth. They win. Wait a minute. We're going to fucking well, Super Bowl. We lost three in a row, though. You know? That is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we're allowed for a little buyer's remorse. That is true. But, but yeah, I, I, I a, do a win will make you 180. Spin your 180. Yeah, <laughs> I do think that we tend to overreact and to rush to judgment yeah. many times with sports. Well, had to make that distinction though, although like we had to uh say, look, we're not we're not firing Eberflus of polls yet, but we're if I made this point on the tailgate show on Sunday, I was like, if you're gonna fucking judge Justin Fields partially, mm -hmm. you we sure as hell could judge Eberflus of polls. If you're gonna give Eberflus of polls a pass, you better fucking give Justin Fields a pass. It's very you know? uh, uh you know, these three they're intertwined through fate, destiny, whatever the fuck it is. They're intertwined here. They're all, you know, this is basically all of them their rookie years as in their respective positions, head coach, uh, general manager, and starting quarterback. I mean, we're, we're not going to count Nagy because, you know, that fucking weirdo. No, he, he wasn't a coach. He wasn't <laughs> no. a coach, you know. No. <laughs> so, something else, you know, bad mm -hmm. hire. Bad hire. Go away, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, we uh, if you're going to judge – Justin Fields, we better uh we're gonna we're gonna judge the other guys too. If we're gonna give Fields a pass, we're gonna give Poles and Eberflus a pass too. But the distinction that Aldo and I uh made last year is that we're not firing them, we're just simply judging them up to this point in their uh in the season, you know, and that's mm -hmm. uh giving them a, a grade, you know, after what seven games. 
Exactly. You know, eight exactly. games will give them a midseason report card or whatever. You know, just like if you were in school, you get right. your uh, uh, mid semester, mid uh, mid year report card. Mm-hmm. He is John Santucci. He is the lead host, lead producer on weekend sports betting tips, which you can find here on the Ballroom yeah. Network on Saturdays. Have you, do you guys, your start time varies a little bit, right? Yeah, it's hard because Sean and I are both at Central Time. So, and then, you know, Sean goes right to his show right after our show. So he's usually mm-hmm. just like, he's gone. We cut it right at, you know, quarter to 11, 11, which is when he starts uh, winning free picks. And uh, Anthony and Sean gave out winners. I have not. I don't think I've posted a winner on that show yet. <laughs> is that right? I'm trying to give out good plays for the barflies. I just like you know. Well, don't. Yeah. Like, I just keep picking the wrong one, you know. But uh, you know, you'll get through this. Don't worry. You, yeah. you know, I'm going to give you all the encouragement you need. Uh, but so make sure you watch weekend sports betting tips. Ignore Tucci's picks for the next couple. Yeah, of weeks. take uh, <laughs> Anthony and Sean's over mine. <laughs> Until he gets out of roll, yeah, it happens to all of the cappers. It happens yep. to all of them. So uh, it's a great, great show. It really is. And I want to let people know that tomorrow, wow, that we have a slate of programming. And it all yeah. starts at 11 a.m. Central. Gabriel talks Gabriel. football, GTF. It's, we're going to go 90 minutes. Is he going to be there at Kings? No, huh? Uh, no, unfortunately he can't. He can't. He's got a family commitment that day, but uh, he will be here tomorrow on the Barroom Network, 11 a.m. And then at 2 p.m. it's Bar Down Hockey with Vinnie Parisi and Frank Mueller. At 7 p.m. it's Buffon 55. We're going to talk to RJ Ochoa, who is a blogger with Blogging the Boys, so he knows everything about the Cowboys that we don't know. He's going to share that with us. And of course, John has his fabulous five. B55 questions. He rants uh, like nobody else. Fantastic. And then there's a special episode of Bear Truth. Danny Shimon and myself are going to break down some Justin Fields tape and talk about his mechanics, talk about uh, what we saw in uh, this week's game. And when I I say we saw, it's going to be mostly Danny's with his expert analysis of that. So we got a full, full, full slate of programming here Wednesday on the Barroom Network. So uh, I got a real quick. like last Bears state of affairs, I, I went back and listened, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, because they were saying I had rose colored glasses on fields, you know, <laughs> and uh, when I went back and listened, I said it was the greatest. It sounded like the greatest, but it was I said grittiest performance because it really was fucking gritty. You're absolutely you know, the, right. the kid got his guts stomped out. And he, You know, you're not going to beat him. You're going to beat him down. He's going to you know, he's going to show you that you haven't beaten him no matter what. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if he's hurting. He's not going to show you that you've you know, hurt him, mm-hmm. whatever. And I just love that about him. I said on the, on the uh, tailgate show that if you cannot respect that or admire that, right, you shouldn't be a bears fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with you, brother. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Um. So are you going to be on the tailgate show again next week? Yeah. I, I usually come on for the last half hour, you know, cause I've got awesome. Anthony and I do pound it live, which is his show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and then I come on and do um, tailgate show, and then I'll, I do a spot on uh, fantasy football game. This guy is busy. I'm busy. I'm busy, busy doing all these shows. The busiest man in show business. He's taking <laughs> that. Busiest man in the bar room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I want to thank everybody who's been watching us live and those of you who are watching on demand or listening on demand. Thank you all very much. Let people know what we're doing here. Let them know if they want a show with degenerates talking football and sex and farts and all that stuff, that this is the show for them. Then it all their souls with Johnny Santucci. Tucci, you're the absolute best. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, brother? Yep. See you soon, Aldo, too, in person. All right. Yes, all right. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomsen. Bear down. <laughs>